crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. Disclaimer. 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 We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other. other. <laughs> Hello. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Angela. And Matt. That was so professional. Oh my god, we're so <laughs> cool. Now, just a disclosure amongst the other disclosures. You mean disclaimer? Oh, <laughs> I do. Oh, God. God damn it. Is there a disclosure? <sighs> Look, I was going to be smarter this God episode. I've already failed. The like second word out of my mouth was wrong. <laughs> no, I do have a jacket on. So if you hear that swish swish noise, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that disclaimer. I mean, it just might be, you know, unpleasant, but I can't help it because it's like fucking freezing where I'm at. So. <laughs> In the yeah. down in the depths of hell, frozen hell. What? Hot, wouldn't hell be hot? Not if it's frozen hell. <laughs> I just said frozen hell. I specified. Sorry, you disclosed that it was frozen hell and I didn't listen. <laughs> Bringing it around. Trying to make it smarter. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, shall we get going? Yeah, tell me something fucked up. Okay, so I got most of my information from the Arkansas Times. Ooh, okay. Uh, I also got some from, like, a, like a case write-up thing, so it was, like, very technical and not great, but well. I did what I could. And then newspapers.com and then somewhere called ArkansasFreedom.com. But most of it's Arkansas Times, so. Well, I can hear the banjos from here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I love a good banjo solo. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, Margaret Soul and her husband, Robert, bought controlling interest in the Frontier Bank in Covalo, California. Hmm? So, Covalo is like a really small town, like in the mountains of Mendocino County. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margaret became the president. And then she and her son, B.L. Soul, also called Bud, were major stockholders in money order companies called Security Currency Services and American Currency. And these were based in L.A. where Bud lived. Wait, so, what? So, they, okay, they, are they from Arkansas? Did I make that up? Well, no, we're going to get to oh. Arkansas later. So they're in so California. So right now we're in California. And they're, yeah. they own some kind of what? So Margaret, the mom... Owns a bank in Covalo, which she is Northern California, okay. and Bud lives in Bud lives in L.A. and they're both major stockholders in these in these like money order companies okay. that are based in L.A. Okay, so Bud lived in like Bel Air, which is super mm. ritzy. The Prince or, of Bel Air, right? Fresh Prince, <laughs> or he also lived in a swanky private Jonathan Club. Uh-huh. Area. I don't know where that is, but apparently it's swanky too. 
So Margaret used to work for one of the money order companies, and that's why she still had stock in them. And then I think Bud bought stock in them, so they basically own them. And when she and her husband bought the bank in Covalo, they transferred security currency services to their bank so that they were responsible for paying the money order claims. So she basically, she and Bud held like majority stock. They owned 80% of the stock in security currency services and 100% of stock in American security currencies. And American security currency or American currency or whatever was based in Arizona. So they, so when she, like I said, when she bought the bank, then she just like brought in the uh, money order business into the bank okay and then so it's like an all-in-one kind of a thing but then now she owns like most of this money order business yeah she and her son do okay so at some point margaret wanted to sell the scs which is the one uh money order business Mm -hmm. to a longtime competitor and through the sale somehow the SCS had depleted funds and had to file for bankruptcy. So what people were doing back in the day where they were buying money orders to pay for like bills and rent mm. or mortgages or car payments. And a lot of them were like poor people that were putting their money into money orders because it was like more secure, yeah. you know, but they basically lost all of the money orders that they had invested in what? because the SCS didn't have any money. Oh. Um, And then so Margaret was like, oh, it's just because of what happened when they were when the other company was like buying our company, like we had to do something. So we like don't have the money. So now we're bankrupt. But really, all these like poor people who had gotten their money orders to pay for their bills and lost like thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. They went to a D.A. in L.A. Mm -hmm. and the D.A. started to investigate and. Herbert Smith, the assistant corporation commissioner for L.A., said there's no way for the firm to go broke because it is required by law to deposit receipts in a trust account and can draw on the money only to pay for checks and money orders sold. So money orders are supposed to be like super safe and secure. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, all the money's gone. So what happened to that money? Yeah, what happened? What's her name? What's her name? Margaret. What happened, Margie? Tell me. So this, um, I I tried to explain this as, as well as possible, but it got kind of confusing. Uh-huh. So just try and stick with me here. So Bud originally claimed a net worth of $800,000. Mm-hmm. And he like played the stock market like really heavily. He put a lot of his money into it. And among his investments was a large block of stock in a corporation called Royal Properties. And in late 1963, the price of stock was falling. So he was in danger of losing everything. Mm. So he started to borrow from like everyone he could and like every business. He was just like borrowing as best as he could. And he was negotiating to sell Frontier Bank and security and American, so the money order businesses, so that he wouldn't go broke, basically. And his account at the Bank of America was overdrawn, and this was the beginning of a check kite scheme. Okay. So here's how it worked. Ronald Vaughn was the husband of Margaret's stepdaughter and an employee of the security currency services in L.A., At Bud's request, he wrote several checks on his, Vaughn's, account at Frontier Bank because he had an account there and Bud didn't. So he would write checks payable to Bud. Mm -hmm. When that account contained not enough money to cover the checks that he was writing, 
So then Bud would immediately deposit the checks into his account at the Bank of America and use the money in his stock market activities. Mm. When one of Vaughn's checks arrived at the Frontier Bank, it was brought to the attention of the cashier, Robert Goodwin. A check drawn on Bud's account at the Bank of America and payable to Vaughn was then prepared at Covalo and deposited into Vaughn's account. And Vaughn's check to Bud's was paid. So basically, Vaughn would send a check to Bud. Mm -hmm. Bud would deposit it use it for like his stocks and stuff then he would send a check back to Vaughn with like enough money to cover that check that Vaughn sent to him but neither of them had enough money to cover it so it's basically like yeah anyway so god this sounds so complicated it is (laughs) (laughs) so in at least three cases the Vaughn check to Bud was held in what was called a rejected check register for one to three days before payment And the Bud check to Vaughn was then sent to Bank of America, where it was, with the exception of the last check, paid upon receipt. So the delay from sending the checks through the mail enabled Bud to enjoy the use of $550 in cash and the amount of the various Vaughn checks for several days. So because it was taking so long for the the mailed checks to get there, and because they were, like, holding the checks once they got them, they were able to make it look like they had that money in their account. So if Vaughn's uh, account was, like, overdrawn, Bud would get the check back into his account yeah. before they would, like, kind of notice. Right. But really, none of this money even existed. Oh, my God. Not, you know, money is a made-up thing anyway. Like, I know it is. <laughs> so in one this instance... This is such a good example of how made-up it is. You could just make it up and convince people for a while. Well, except for the money for those poor people who well, wanted yeah. to, like, you know, pay for their shit and they lost out. So in one instance, Bud, on November 13th, 1963, deposited in his Los Angeles account a check drawn by Vaughn on his Covalo account in the sum of $55,000 and caused the Los Angeles bank to send it by mail to Covalo at a time when Vaughn's Covalo account contained less than $600. (laughs) In another instance, uh, Bud's mom, Margaret, on November 18th, 1963, deposited to Vaughn's Covalo account a Bud check drawn on his Los Angeles account to the sum of $55,000 when the when Bud's balance was less than $200. So they kept doing this until they were caught. They kept sending them back and forth. Oh, my God. So... Uh, sounds like one of those math word problems. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that's basically what a check kite scheme is okay so then he also had like another scheme going with a different person so richard gibson was a friend of bud's and frequently acted as a pilot of his airplane oh you know just like the occasional pilot of my airplane (laughs) right right and a friend or whatever yeah and a friend he also happened to have a checking account at frontier bank so between september 1963 and january 1964 Gibson, at Bud's request, signed several checks drawn on his Frontier Bank account, some payable in blank and some payable to a brokerage to brokerage houses, and the checks were used by Bud for purchase of stocks. So one $50,000 Gibson check payable to the Bank of America was deposited into Bud's Los Angeles account. The Gibson checks were for large amounts, but the average balance in Gibson's account was not over $100. Huh. 
So the reason for using Gibson's Frontier Bank account was to extend the time necessary for the checks to clear. When a Gibson check was pre presented for payment at the Frontier Bank, it was handled in substantially the same manner as the Vaughn checks, although wire transfers from Bud were also used to cover some of Gibson's checks. So they're doing the same, basically the same thing, except for Bud was then using that money to buy stocks. Hmm. Then there's a third transaction. So the whole that goal is to like trick the whatever, trick the computers or the people in the, the banks people. long enough yeah. that you can deposit this money into stocks and make some money with stocks. Yeah. Okay. Right. So there's like a third, a third scheme that he was running with a man named Yates who was an acquaintance of Bud's and had occasionally used money orders of his company. So Yates had purchased a large block of Royal properties stock on margin. Bud suggested to Yates in Los Angeles that he clear the margin account and demand delivery of the stock to force short sellers to buy in and then raise the price of the stock. Mm. So Yates had insufficient funds to clear the margin account, and Bud suggested that Yates execute a money order for the necessary amount. He then suggested that Yates apply for a loan from the Frontier Bank to cover the money order using the stock as collateral. So Yates executed the money order for the stock and filled out an application for a loan at the Frontier Bank. He also signed a signature card for a checking account at that bank. And then he gave Bud a check drawn on the Frontier Bank to cover the money order. Whoa. I just don't even know how you come up with <laughs> such a convoluted idea, but it seemingly is working right now. Yeah. So... Bud, with, Bud then deposited Yates' check into his account at the Bank of America. The loan application and the signature card were then mailed to the Frontier Bank, where an account was to be established for Yates after the loan was granted. The loan was not approved because Yates lived out of the bank's loan area. So Bud then wired transfers, then wired funds to Covalo and the amount of the requested loan for deposit to Yates' account. Yates' check had been held in the rejected check register, was then paid, and then Bud secured for Yates a loan at a Hollywood bank, and Yates repaid Bud. This is so confusing. So this went on, I know, so this went on for, like, until finally they were caught, and then when, it, when they found out, like, what was happening, Bud went on the run. Um, but then he turned himself in two weeks later because his mom and her son-in-law were arrested. So he was like, I can't have my mom going to jail for this. So in court, he pled the Fifth Amendment 78 times. <laughs> and in 50 minutes of questioning him, they only got his name and his address in Bel Air. What? So they questioned him for 50 minutes and he would just say, I plead the Fifth. Yeah. I plead the Fifth. I plead the well, Fifth. I mean, you have that right. For 50 minutes. So Bud's defense was based on his lack of fraudulent intent and the lack of any motive for engaging in a scheme to defraud. And an important basis for this defense was Bud's claimed status as a successful businessman who was merely caught in a temporary financial bind and who expected to have ample funds from the impending sale of his businesses. Margaret's defense was lack of knowledge of the charged acts. Her defense posture was that of aloof innocence. So she was like, I didn't know this was happening. <laughs> But in the 
1960s, Bud and his mom were both convicted of running fraudulent money order businesses in California and diverting $525,000 into their personal bank accounts, which today would be millions of dollars. So they basically bought those companies and just, like, got out of them what they could. This mom and son were just taking money from poor people. Yeah. And then embezzling it or not. Yeah. Was it? It was like kind of embezzling. Or, I mean, like, yeah, they're putting it in their own bank accounts. In their bank accounts, and then like transferring it all around from bank to bank yeah. to bank, so that it's like untraceable. Where'd this money go? And then they're just playing the stock market, and basically using that time span between checks being from Los Angeles to Covalo to be like, oh well, we checked that, like we cashed that check already, and now it's like not clearing there. But th- I mean, they just like use that like time. To keep sending money back and forth so it looked like there was money in the account mm-hmm. when really there was no money in either account. Wow, that is so much effort. It's... Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so Margaret was 52 at the time, um, and her and her son and other conspirators were charged with 26 felony counts, including one count of conspiracy, 16 counts of grand theft, and three counts of violating the California Corporation's Code. Bud got a sentence of 2 to 20 years, and he had previously been sentenced to up to 10 years in federal prison on related mail fraud charges. He was 34 years old at the time of his arrest. He was doing all this when he was, like, fucking young. And then it's a mystery of how much time he actually spent in jail. Nobody can seem to, like, track that down. Okay. So when he gets out, what is he going to do? In do 1970- <laughs> Well, no. In 1979, Bud and his wife, Shirley, moved his from wife? California to Arkansas. Yeah, he got married at some okay. point. I don't know. They moved to Arkansas for a fresh start. He converted to Christianity. Oh, good. This is a good way to go. And his son, Ted, was in high school at the time. So he got married, he had a son, and he converted to Christianity and wanted a fresh start because he's, like, such a good person now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so all while the good in Arkansas, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can, you can kind of guess where this is headed. Uh-huh. So <laughs> while in Arkansas, he founded the Lord's Ranch. Oh, no. Well, and it's all down Ted, here, downhill from here. After Ted graduated from Evangelical Wheaton College, oh, no. he began helping run the family business. <sighs> so the Lord's Ranch is a residential school for troubled youths oh, no. in Warm Springs, Arkansas. Oh, my God. You know what's so funny? Not funny, what? but funny. I was going to yeah. do a child, like, a uh like a boarding school like a fucked up like boarding school or like school for troubled children things this week too yes i was like so close to doing that no way it wasn't the lord's ranch was it no it it was a different one apparently there are a ton oh my god what the fuck anyway (laughs) what if you had done it oh my god Damn. So the website of a preacher who worked there says church attendance and similar religious sessions are encouraged. It was located on a remote 1,200-acre farm. Wow. And it was first licensed by the state to provide mental health services to youth in 1987. Excuse me? Like, what? Yeah. Who's who's giving this mental health service? Is this God? Is it the Lord? Is giving the service? Well... Well, they had like this whole program. So most of its patients came from Chicago and the Dallas area at the time. Uh, the ranch wasn't eligible for Arkansas Medicaid funds. 
Okay. But, like, these inner city kids from, like, Chicago and Dallas are being sent to the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, to go to, like, this religious So let's steal, let's, let's steal their money. Oh, that's not enough. Let's go abuse their yeah. children. Let's steal mm-hmm. their children. Mm-hmm. This sounds good. Okay. Very yeah. Christian of them. So at its peak, it had up to 120 beds and 225 employees. Holy shit. Though it usually housed under the maximum number of patients, he also had an outpatient company mm. called Arkansas Counseling Associates. No. What are, where what are his qualifications? They, uh, he was a felon <laughs> who defrauded thousands of people mm-hmm. yeah. and the United States government, and he is a Christian he's now, a man so of he's God. qualified. Yep, yep. Jesus whispered yeah. in his ear and said, you can do it. I'll make you a little certificate. Here you go. Look, now you can take care of children's mental health. Yeah. Le- yes, yeah. you're totally qualified to be fucking around with any kind of mental health, let alone yeah. people that are developing their minds Let as alone children. children that are ripped away from their mm-hmm. families. It's totally legit. Yep. Sent somewhere they have no idea where the hell they are. Yep. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> so the outpatient company had around 400 employees in multiple locations Holy around shit. the state. And treated 3,000 to 4,000 patients at one point. Oh, my God. So isn't this wonderful when you're getting, like, Christian-based mental health services, but the U.S. government or Arkansas government is funding this? Well, yeah, because, you know, it's hand-in-hand, church and state. We love to give the church a chance. Wait, wait, but only the Christian. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Only the Christian Hello, I said church, not, like, heathens. So, I don't know what you're talking about. I just, like, when I was writing this, I was getting more and more infuriated because what's happening here in the States with the whole Supreme Court thing and how we're all losing our rights yep. because people want to push their religion onto other people. It's disgusting. When it's, like, that's a very personal thing, and if you want to be a Christian, good for you. Like, do that. But do that on your own time. Please, and don't yeah. try and, like, do not make shove me be Jesus's one. dick in anyone's mouth that is not wanting it. Thank you. Just keep it to yourself. So, keep it to yourself. No yeah, one needs to like see totally that shit. Fine. No one needs to hear that shit. Just no. You can think your imaginary things to yourself, but please do not spread your. I mean, believe what you want to believe. On other people, but yeah, it's not <laughs> it's, your responsibility to like force other people to believe what you believe. It's very harmful for people's mental health. So. Well, and it's been proven time and time again that when it is involved in government, shit like this happens. Yeah. So let's go into it. Yeah. In 1990, a state regulatory board voted to revoke the license of the Lord's Ranch based on allegations of use of improper restraints and falsified records. (laughs) But the board later revised its decision, putting the Lord's Ranch on temporary probation. Its status eventually reverted to regular. Imagine being like, you can't put the Lord's Ranch on probation. It's the Lord's Ranch. You can't tell God yeah, what, what to do. Yeah, what position do you, what power do you have over God? You can't tell God what to do on his ranch. So from the beginning, the facility was controversial, as all religious-based programs seem to be. Mm-hmm. Especially those that are funded by taxpayer money. Uh, yeah, thank you. I don't want to fund any of that shit, so stop giving my money to that shit. The ranch had licensed therapists and a physician on staff. Licensed under it who? Also... God? Was it the Lord's therapist? No, I think the state <laughs> licensed them, but... Well, but they're giving. It was also operating. They were. I don't think they were felons, but (laughs) who knows? Not that all felons are bad. Some people are felons, and they're actually decent people. This guy is not. He's a scummy scammer, and I mean, what better way to scam people than through religion? (laughs) 
And the government, getting, like, government funding yes. through religions. So it also operated a school for kids, which is lovely. Great. And so the school was for the kids who would stay for treatment up to a year. The rules were strict. Boys and girls could not talk to each other. No. And parents weren't allowed contact with their children in the first 30 days Absolutely of their stay. No. After Red the first flag. 30 days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> After the first 30 days, a monthly visit was allowed. No. Parents often were excluded from treatment and kept in the dark about their kids' diagnoses. Oh, no. Triple red <laughs> flag. Uh, a frequent punishment was called standing on the wall. Children would be forced to stand all day, sometimes for days or even weeks, against a wall. What the fuck? In the 1990s and 2000s, the inpatient facility racked up a long list of allegations of physical and psychological abuse of children living there. Yeah. Those allegations included improper restraints, physical abuse, and punishment for those who opted out of Bible study. Ooh, I'm getting so upset right now. Outside experts concluded that a disproportionate number of kids were being sent by juvenile courts to institutional care, which... It's been proven that, like, children taken away from their families in order to get, yeah, like, help, no. it, mm-hmm. like, help, it's not, it's not the best way to do that. No. So, former Lord's Ranch patients said that Bible study in the federally funded facility was not voluntary, since the other option was to stand against a wall all day. I don't know. So, like, no. What? That's not even. You have one option that's like, uh-huh. let's learn a bunch of lies. And then the other option is stand against a wall. And both of those, either or, are supposed to be good for you. Uh-huh. Wow. So the Bible study sessions are voluntary only if you don't want to stand on the wall all day, said Elena. Could. Kanar of Indiana, who was a teenage patient at the ranch from 1995 to 1998. What the fuck? Absolutely not. There's nothing voluntary down there at all. Well, what else are you going to do if you're not in Bible study? You stand on the wall or you copy passages from the Bible, is what she said. So that's clearly not an option if you're still like writing about the Bible. That's still Bible study. But, I just feel like... no. That's not teaching them like, anything. That's not like not, no. e- none, neither one of those uh, things is like teaching them anything or helping them to become a better person or to learn. Right. Well, here's Even my other thing about Christian that. you're Christian and you want to learn Jesus's way, it's all about like turning the other cheek and like the golden yes. rule of treating everyone nicely. Right. So how does that right. help? So that's the thing. Like if you're spending so much time doing Bible study, how are you missing the messages of take care of the poor people, love one another, respect, like... Yeah, because they just... How are you missing these messages if you're studying the Bible? I don't get it. It's because people that study that shit only believe what they want to believe. There are so many other fucked up passages in the Bible that they can just be like, well, it says this too, so we're going to do that. Well, it's like, yeah, but you've claimed to love Jesus so much, then do what he told you to do and be like a good fucking person. Ugh. Anyway. I hate religion. So, I think it's just the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. Well, it's going to get Aside a lot more from fun. Facebook. It's like Facebook and religion are like tied of like... The worst things to ever happen to humans. Okay, but religion caused, like, how many millions of people to be murdered every year? Yeah, and Facebook is causing people to be murderous and then brag about it. I mean, I'm not saying that either one's good. No, I'm just saying that... They're both real bad. Real bad news. They're both real bad. 
I mean, the thing is, I guess, like, religion has been around a lot longer than, like, social yes, media. that's what I'm saying. So, like, well, and it's in, funded, like, so So, check back in, like, yeah, check back and... in 100,000 years and see how social media has really ruined. We're just seeing the beginning of the ruins. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. So, yeah. In 1993, a 22-year-old named Steve Candelario answered an ad in a California newspaper for a staff position at the ranch. Candelario had worked for the California Youth Authority and liked helping kids. He also was a Pentecostal Christian, Uh-oh. and he said he was attracted to the ranch's biblical mission. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, however, an 11-year-old boy who'd acted up in class and strayed into a girl's locker area <laughs> was like he was caught, and then Candelario and another counselor were called to deal with him. The counselor became irate. Candelario said he picked this kid up, threw him against the lockers, smacked his head, the fuck? threw him on the ground, then threw that kid into his empty classroom. What? And the whole time I'm standing there with my mouth on the floor. But Candelario kept quiet. I was kind of intimidated. We were out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's not like I can go into town. I couldn't even call anybody. They had come up with some cockamamie reason why I wasn't allowed to use the phone. Oh, no, no, no. Walk so to town, Candelario, bro. Grab some water and walk to town. It's a 1,200-acre farm you gotta in the middle of gear, fucking nowhere, Arkansas. Walk. He would have to walk for, like, a a month. Steal one of the cars and, like, warn people. You were in, like, some horror film about to happen. So he filed written statements with the Arkansas Child Welfare Inspectors. Thank God. Who investigated his and other reports of abuse. DHS documents said that investigators found credible evidence and that the incident reported by Candelario had actually occurred. Okay. In the 1990s also, kids told Arkansas child welfare inspectors about rough takedowns in which staff wrestled them to the floor, planted knees in their backs, and pulled their arms behind them until they screamed. No. Some children told state inspectors that in the 1990s, the Lord's Ranch had taken them to Mexico to hand out Bibles. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Yep. Yeah. Like, how are you taking children across the border into another country? And not telling their parents that their kids are going into another country. No. And then forcing them to go hand out some bullshit to other people that don't need your bullshit. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm sure the people in Mexico were like, oh, thanks. thanks. So glad you came. I'm going to take this from this child now. Thank you. Uh, I'll read this later in my free time. Also, <laughs> not sure if you know, but like in Mexico, we're mostly Catholic. So we've already heard we about this book. We have access to yeah, Bible. Thank you. Seen this? Thanks. Uh, you <laughs> we've already heard about take this your book. weird ass American Bible back up north. Thanks. <laughs> also, we have ones written in Spanish. Yeah, so thank you exactly, very much. <laughs> like, we are like, what? How rude. What a bunch of assholes. So one girl told an inspector that when she complained of an ear infection, a Lord Ranch, a Lord's Ranch staffer initially denied her medical treatment, saying... It's nothing but a demon. (laughs) Excuse me, mister. I've got a demon in my ear again. It really hurts. I've been throwing up blood. Got to get that demon out. The DHS also found this report credible. So in 
January of 1994, Bud Soule blocked state inspectors from interviewing children about the past allegations, or about the abuse allegations, sorry. Mm -hmm. The next day in Little Rock, Ted Soule purchased several handguns, two AR-15 assault rifles. What? Isn't isn't AR assault rifle? Yeah. Yeah, so that was redundant. I know guns. It's fine. I'm a gunner. And two, two riot shotguns. Uh, what? The Lord's Branch said that Ted's gun purchases were unrelated to the inspector's visit, but it happened the next day. Why are you fortifying with assault rifles for children? Yeah. yeah. So, it, um... So they said that the dispute was not over whether children could be interviewed, but over how many children should have to speak with the investigators. Um, because I guess like they them? wanted to, yeah, well, they wanted to like line up the kids and go one by one and be like, hey, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Like, are you okay, basically? And they're like, you're talking to too many kids. Like, this isn't okay. Uh, then we need to talk to more children because you're trying to censor the kids from talking to us. Yeah. No. In September 1996, State Inspector Carolyn Winberry came across three boys standing on the wall. Uh-huh. One of the boys wore a taped-together cardboard splint on his arm. Oh, my A cardboard God. splint! That's not going to do shit! It's just like, pa- just like paper. Just tape some paper on your arm and pretend it's a cast. Let's play cast pretend. Uh, yeah. A few days earlier, he had come to the aid of his brother, who had been put in a headlock by another counselor. Staff had twisted his arm to restrain him, and the boy heard a pop, (gasps) after which he said his arm felt dead. And a knot appeared on his arm, like, later, and the boy said that it was broken, but he was told to go to Bible class instead. Yeah, pray it away. And then later... Later, they made him a homemade splint. Oh, cute. That's so cute. Of cardboard. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, my God. You're seriously injured. Why don't you just go pray about it? Look, it's probably just a demon. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You see that lump in your arm? That's on a bone sticking out. That's a demon. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the fuck? You heard a pop and you couldn't move your fingers? Well, Mm, I mean, the first sign of a demon is a popping noise. You hear a little crack. That's or how you a know pop. they got in. Yeah, they want yeah, to exactly. pop when they go in. Exactly. <laughs> one, so once in you pop, the fun don't stop. <laughs> in 2006, State Representative Buddy Blair of Fort Smith convened a legislative hearing to look into the Lord's Ranch because he said he'd received too many complaints against it. Good. One of those complaints. Blair told legislators was that staff of the Lord's Ranch punished children by sitting on them, pulling their arms back, or mm-hmm. making them stand against a wall all day. Fucked up. Soul attended the hearing, saying he would discipline the staff if it were proved that the accusations were true. That same year, DHS received allegations that an, by an Alaskan youth who had been sexually assaulted at the ranch by another kid, and... Mm-hmm. That after he was assaulted, he was taunted as being gay uh, uh-huh. by the staff. <sighs> yeah, you know, if you weren't if you weren't a sinning homosexual, God wouldn't have punished you in that way. So you better go to Bible study and pray it away. No, no, it happened at the ranch. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, if God didn't want, you know, God's punishing you for being gay. So this guy's, of course, gonna oh. like. Rape so this you, child, this then, other child here, is going to yeah. rape you, and then yeah, you're it's just gay. a punishment for you being a sinning homosexual. 
The agency wouldn't comment on the allegations, citing privacy laws. Well, I guess they're what? children. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, as we know, here in the United States, the courts have ruled that publicly financed programs cannot use public money to conduct religious exercises. No, it happens all the time. Well, and that's how it used to be because now we're like merging, you know, religion and state because that always goes so well and let's take away the rights of women and mm-hmm. and gay people and yep, let's um, just go back in time. Undocumented to the individuals days. and minorities and cuz that's what Jesus would have wanted. He would have oh, wanted yeah. us all to Jesus loves the homogenous people. And we all know that he hates poor people and gays. Oh, and yeah. He, actually, uh, I think it's quoted in the Bible. Ew, gays and women <laughs> and poor people. Jesus does not liketh that. I'm pretty sure that's... And immigrants. Oh, yeah. And and it's like dot, dot, dot. It's and like, brown do, people. And anyone who do doesn't... Do unto others who's not a white, as you cis, would have them do unto you. Male. Unless they are. Yes. Yeah. You, so, actually, the only one, the only brand of human that qualifies for do unto others is if you're, you know, the straight, white, cis, hetero male. Wealthy male. Wealthy male. Right. Yes. Then right. that applies to you. Because we know that's who Jesus loved the most, even though Jesus was brown. Oh, but... no. Jesus had blonde hair, blue eyes. Of course. <laughs> Living in the Middle East. Okay. <laughs> yes. For sure. <laughs> So, so when Bud's son Ted took over the Lord's Ranch, he decided to work closely with court employees to push any and all kids his way. He charged $500 a day per kid for treatment. Oh, shit. And that money became that money came from the Department of Human Services. Not okay. Not okay. So, so someone on the 2000- board of whoever's allocating the money places is like yeah, I like that. I'm a Christian myself. I think uh-huh. this should get money. Interesting. So in 2006, the Lord's Ranch got $8.5 million from the Arkansas Medicaid program. Well, shoot. Why can't we just go get a thousand million acres of land somewhere and get some money from the government to just live on and pretend we're doing something good? Why? Like... <laughs> I have so many, like, okay, I just can't, I can't even, like, $8.5 million, like, if that was actually going to help children with their mental health, yeah, like, we'd be, be so amazing. much better off. Yeah. But instead, it's going to this place that's abusing children in the name of the Lord. They have no credentials. Like, they have no, like, actual No parent doctors. involvement. Like, this, yeah. Children from Chicago and from Dallas and, like, children from impoverished neighborhoods, and I'm sure a lot of them were, like, black kids or, like, you know, children of immigrants because they're going through the court systems, and we all know that the court systems are skewed towards arresting and incarcerating, like, impoverished and, minority right. people. And if it's like, okay, you have a choice, your child is either going to go to juvie or you have to send them to some kind of reform school, and a lot of them are a lot of money to go to and if this one is like we're mm-hmm. we're the lord's ranch we take in yeah. everyone it's like oh good i can just send my kid here can have like a ranch time maybe learn yeah. to like ride a maybe horse or something for them to, like get out yeah. of the city like get away learn from s- all their learn friends some discipline and, and some like yeah. farm chores and mm-hmm. all that and it's a nightmare yeah you would think so so research on the lord's ranch showed that they had 70 students and nine teachers a private jet and multi millions of dollars. 
from taxpayers. Uh, I love that the United States funded that. A private yeah, because, jet you know, for the Lord. You know, it's not like they're going on their private jet to pick children up. Uh, no. Where do you think they're jet setting to? I don't fucking know. It's insane. I have no idea. So Ted became a major political player. Well, yeah, I mean, now he's like, you know, a well-known member of society. Well, and that may have been because the state was giving them such a hard time. Yeah. They were like, trying oh, to take you're away like our rights. <laughs> They're trying to tell us that we can't be Christians. They're taking away, well, you know, freedom of yeah. being able to express your own religion. Instead of like, oh, no, you're actually oppressing people and forcing your religion down these poor children's You are throat. abusing children. Yep, yep. Yep. Bottom line, you're not helping their mental health at all. No. And I will say this, as someone who went to Catholic school for like a million years, that shit is so damaging. Really eats away it's... at your like self love yep. and at your um confidence and your what am I trying to say? It's just yeah, it's very damaging it's to very who you damaging. are. Because it's basically telling you that like you're supposed to be this one way, and that's the only way. And if you think anything else, then you're a sinner. And also, you were born mm-hmm. with sin, so you better figure out how to, fig- you know, get good with God so you can go to heaven. Right. And So you're just, like, guilty all the yeah. time and just, like, unhappy and scared because you're being watched all the time. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> it's it's real It's, like, creepy. so psychologically damaging. Right. And anyway. then everyone else in your church is, like, sick thinking the same thing so then they're all watching out for you to mess up and everyone else to mess up so that they can call well, them out. Well then you can like push the blame away from you yep. and be like I didn't do anything wrong. They're like they're worse than I am because exactly. they're doing this other thing. It's and it's like nobody's damaging. doing bad things. Yeah. Yeah. Would, Just yeah. nope. Look, this is all I have to say is be good to one another. Yes. Like treat other people with love and respect and keep your religious views to yourself. Yes. And like honestly, do you need a religion to tell you to be a good person and stop being a dick? I mean, if you do, that's, that's fine, a problem, but just don't. Though. Like, if you do, but just don't push it on other maybe people. Maybe you need to like work on other things, like your mental health, and like figuring out why you feel a certain way instead of like trying to pray it away and feeling bad for yourself. Right. Well, ugh. it's yucky. So, uh, the Lord sent Governor Mike Huckabee. <laughs> oh no. Uh, to Ted because Ted was like everyone's mean to me and they hate that we're getting millions and millions of dollars to abuse children and throw Bibles <laughs> at them and Mike Huckabee's like don't worry I'll save you <laughs> so Mike Huckabee once served on the board that licensed the Lord's Ranch oh my god uh, and he lobbied heavily to keep dollars flowing to the institutional care yeah let's punch a- they uh, held a fundraiser called punch a kid you pay a dollar and they punch a kid. It was real great fun down in Arkansas. More like throw a Bible at a child. Uh, punch a kid through Jesus. You just chuck a Bible at him. Punch a kid into... Punch, punch Jesus. No, punch a kid. In... I know, it didn't work. I thought it would work. It didn't work. Punch a child for the Lord. So, so like I said, Ted was having a lot of trouble with the state regulators uh-huh. until Huckabee got into office. So now that Huckabee was in office, faith-based organizations were, like, riding high. Yeah, and getting a bunch of money, probably. In 1997, Huckabee wrote in, his, in a book called Character is the Issue, which, 
Wow. Okay. Really? Character he said, is the issue? <laughs> he said, when people say we ought to separate politics from religion, I say to separate the two is absolutely impossible. Uh, what? I think it's pretty clear. Is he brain damage? What's happening? I don't yes, understand how you is, can even relate but... the two because one is immoral. Well, they're both pretty immoral, but one is like, don't put your shit on my shit. Aren't they both like, don't put your shit on my shit? <laughs> True. I could see where he would make the connection. Uh oh. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So, under Huckabee, a bill to have a administrators of facilities govern their own businesses, which we all know works so well, mm -hmm. became law. Law. Wow. The new law also prohibited interfering with the religious teaching or institution. Oh my god, this is Or disgusting. the practice of corporal discipline at children's care facilities. I'm gonna throw up. How is that a religious law? Because like, Jesus said the spanketh the child. Yeah, because we all know that Jesus, like, was a violent person. Like, what? Okay. So, as governor, Huckabee appointed the new board's members. He stacked it with evangelical Christians involved in foster care and children's mental health programs. So, abuse, 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 abuse. And here's what I'm going to say about, like, foster care. Okay, I know mom's going to be like, you're too political on this one. But this is, like, a scary time to be a female and to be alive. But I'm going to say this about the, foster, about the foster care system. Like, if you're against abortion, fine. Don't have one. But don't you dare tell someone else that they can't do what they want with their own body. And if you really cared about those children that are now in – if you're like, oh, well, the alternative to abortion is, like, adoption mm – -hmm. How many children have you adopted? Yeah. If that's really how you feel about it, then all your children should be adopted. Yeah, because there are plenty of children that need homes that yeah. have nowhere to go, but you're like, no, you have to have that baby. And then you you're like, okay, baby, so what happens once it comes it. out? I don't care what happens once it comes out. You just have to let it live. Yeah. Live a miserable yeah, life so where it's abused and punished and treated like shit and then sometimes lashes out on other people and sometimes just has a miserable, miserable life. Right. So all I'm saying is if you're truly against abortion, then you should have adopted kids, like, children. Many, many adopted kids. Yeah, I agree. And that's my that's my bit of <laughs> That's my piece. I'm just like so stressed out right now because of the whole Not to mention <sighs> that like anyway. Any like men should not be allowed to vote on abortion. It's just like no. If you are a man, you don't get to vote on that. Only women get to vote on it because it is their bodies that are affected by it. I mean, I just... I just don't know why that's up for vote. It's like a medical... It's it is, like a medical issue. I agree. Just like drug addiction is a medical issue. Mm -hmm. That should not be like a, an arrestable offense. Like yeah. all of these issues that we're like getting into, it's like those are not political issues. No. Those are medical issues. Yes. Yes. What are we doing? I agree. Try to control each other's lives. Okay. So. Yeah, you, won't, you don't want me telling you that you can't have guns, then stop telling people what they can do with their bodies. <laughs> with their body. Uh -huh. Like, with their body. Disgusting. It's insane. It's insane. Like, you try being a woman. Like, if you're mm -hmm. a man and you're like, I'm against abortion, you try being a woman for a fucking month yeah. and see how that goes. I think okay? That it's not fun. It should be a requirement. Every man, every, uh, 
male should have to be a woman for a year and then see how it is. Like magically, we got to yeah. f- figure out a magical thing that will make them have periods, make them yeah. like have all the hormones and all Just try the... and have cramps for like a fucking minute. And then have and the way that, that the world looks at you as a woman and try and deal with life. Yeah, try not being able to go like outside at night because you're afraid you're going to get assaulted. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, okay. whatever. Anyway, <laughs> that's, okay, that's too far, but not far enough. Not far enough. Listen, I will say this too. We need male allies though. Yes. I'm not trying to say no. like, you know, men have no room to talk and all of this, but I do think that like we all need to come together and support one another. I think that Let's like just men support each other. I guess other. all I'm saying about that is like men that have never had the experience of being a woman should just be allies and support like what do the women want what would be you know because they cannot empathize in the right way like they've never experienced it they don't know what it's like to be presented as female and perceived as female at all right and so they have to you know just agree that they have the easy way out (laughs) of being male and that like we need to support the women yeah yeah I mean, I agree with that. <laughs> so let's get back to this piece of shit. All so, right. <laughs> Ted, he is given all this money to politicians under his own name and the name of the Lord's Ranch and the name <sighs> of at least four real estate development companies. And one was based in Florida. This dude's like involved in a lot of things. So the Lord's Ranch claimed... Bible-based therapy, mm. uh, and that appealed to Suckabee, who visited the facility when he was a lieutenant governor. A contributor to uh, Huckabee's political campaign was Ted, mm-hmm. and he once provided the governor and his family jet transportation to a political event in Virginia. Cute. <laughs> Huckabee appointed Ted to the Child Welfare Agency Review Board. Oh, good, because he knows anything about child welfare. Because that's not a conflict of interest. Uh And then he reappointed him in 2004. In 1999, the Child Welfare Welfare Review Board, with Ted and other board members, issued a state regulation banning gays from serving as foster parents. Yep, because you know us gays are pedophiles. Also, it's like, oh, we already have too many foster parents. Yeah. So why are we letting gay people who are super dangerous take care of small children? Yep. Yep. They're like, oh, like like, like a gay couple comes to adopt a child or a foster child. And they're like, oh, fresh out. Sorry. None for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the American Civil Liberties Union obviously sued. And like, dude, you can't do that. Uh, And in 2006, the Arkansas Supreme Court overturned the ban as unconstitutional, saying the board didn't have the authority to issue the regulation. Mm -hmm. The Board of Fundamentalist Christians making up shit? (laughs) Evangelical Christians? Yeah. Yeah, same thing. (laughs) Yes, but they banned... They banned that in 1999, and it took the Supreme Court until 2006. And that was the Arkansas Supreme Court. So way to go. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. So in January of 2004, a matter concerning the Lord's Ranch came before the board. Also, sorry that our people from California came out to Arkansas and did all that shit. That's horrible. Well, 
I'm not claiming. I mean, I I just uh, you know because I did say banjos <laughs> earlier, so I wanted to say like sorry about it. Like learning that the people are from California. Like we sorry yeah. we sent you our bad eggs, but also I'm glad that they unleash that shit on you. I'm glad they didn't yeah. stay in California. But listen, uh, Huckabee was never ours, and that dude. Oh just no, no! Was I was just talking so about the. That's all on you, Arkansas. Sorry, no, we yeah. will not take responsibility Solely for that. Solely talking <laughs> about whatever you know, Margie and Bud. Because of course his name would be yeah, Bud. Bud. <laughs> Bud. So in January two thousand four. Okay, I told that. So, board member Ted presented his problem to his colleagues. He had hired a former Alaska State University basketball player named Chico Fletcher to be a boys counselor at the ranch. Mm -hmm. The problem was Fletcher had a court record of domestic violence. Oh, good. Actually, he'll be perfect. He already knows how to batter people, so he's already practiced. Yeah, he'll fit right Mm -hmm. in. So Ted asked the board's permission to waive rules against staff with domestic violence records. Like... In case. He's like, he's like, don't worry, guys. I prayed about him last night, so the Lord's gonna not make him hurt anyone. But any any one of us. But the children are fair game. Well, he brought Fletcher to a meeting, uh-huh. uh, and he let him tell what happened. So he said, the mother of his little boy told the police that I knocked my child out of her hand. But then Ted put in a good word for his employee, and he said, I talked to him a long time and felt comfortable before hiring him. He also said that Fletcher had come highly recommended by his former basketball coach Uh. named... Okay, I put this in because the basketball coach is named Dickie Nutt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. He got, I thought we'd he need got some a recommend, in there. He got a recommendation from a giant penis, dicky nut. Uh, well, as long as the basketball coach is like on his side. Um, yeah, no, I, then... I go by Richard Nuts. <laughs> so, um. A Uh Huckabee-appointed board member named David Watley, Uh he said, as with a lot of your staff, it looks like he can certainly handle the children. Oh, yeah. A.K.A. he can abuse them just fine. Yeah, just like your other staff. Looks like he can smack a child out of his mother's arms. Uh, And Watley is founder and chief administrator of Water Springs Ranch, a children's home staffed by dedicated Christians working through the supernatural power of God, according to its website. Oh, no. So just like a whole bunch of winners running children's lives. Oh, did I say running? I meant ruining. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mispronounced that one. (laughs) (laughs) Silly me. (laughs) So the board quickly approved Fletcher as an employee at the ranch. Uh, Obviously. Yeah, obviously. He got Dickie Um, nuts to sign off on him well no board member asked to look at his court records or speak with the ex-girlfriend look i already told you we prayed for him he's good dicky nut says he's good what else do you need uh he like at the time this article was written he no longer worked at the ranch but um if if like the mother of his child is saying that like he knocked this kid out of her hands 
Like, I'm sure that's not the first thing that he's done to her. Can you, know? can you imagine, like, in front, like, what is he doing in front of the Your parents? Your child is involved. He's doing that in front of the parents. What is he doing behind the parents' backs? Uh, to people who aren't even his own family. Yeah. yeah. So, Ted's political moves extended to the legislature, where he lobbied heavily during the Suckabee years, which was 1996 to 2007, and in the early years of the next governor, Governor Beebe, B-E-E-B-E, Beebe, 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 Beebe. Anyway, he was lobbying to keep state Medicaid dollar, dollars flowing to residential care for the mentally ill. Uh-huh. Ted's wife, using her maiden name uh-huh. and a company that they owned, donated a combined $11,500 to a group lobbying for the ban of gay marriage. Yay. So they're just like a lot of fun. Yeah. Beat the children and don't let anyone have fun. Yeah. He (laughs) also, he also paid at least $100,000 in donations and connections since 2000. That included $5,000 to governor Huckabee not counting the jet rides, and it included $26,000 to the Republican Party of Arkansas <laughs> and $6,500 to the amendment to ban gay marriage. So he's, like, putting his money in, like, really good things. Yeah, he's really looking out, like, really trying to build He's, like, a it. really good Christian yeah, who's mm-hmm. just loves everyone loves and treats everyone with respect. Just to be a dicky nut. <laughs> Can you believe that someone's actually? I literally like, am pic- picturing parent. a big penis and his bu- and the balls are his feet with like the whistle. Yeah, and he's got a whistle, a little whistle around his, his neck, blowing the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, so the Lord's Ranch was able to stonewall legislatures uh, when they tried to, like, get accountability from them. And they were able to do that because the Lord's Ranch was able to set their own reimbursement rates and basically run their own private system with government money. And they would, like, send bills that were never shown to state regulators. So they'd basically be like, oh, we just need, like, this. we're charging government this much money, and they wouldn't send them, like, here's what that money is being spent on. They're just like, we need millions of dollars, please. Thank you. God likes it. Thanks. God needs more money, uh, please. The Lord just called, and he's looking for some more money. He really has to renovate his bathroom, so if you could just give us some more money, that'd be great. We just need more money, please. Thank you. He would call you himself, but he's real busy, so... He's real busy beating children and, you know. We all know how much God loves to keep the gays away. So, you know, he's got many (laughs) jobs to do. So if you could just funnel that money right into our account, that'd be great. Thanks. Thanks. So Arkansas spent four times as much on residential treatments than Ohio, which is a much larger state. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not like we shouldn't be spending money on mental health. Right. Like, for sure, but spend a right shit way. ton of money on mental health. Exactly. But these treatment centers were, like, not helping people. No. Basically, all that money is just going into the pocket of Ted. To buy their jets and, and shit. 
and all the people that he's paying off and a ban gay marriage. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a disproportionate number of Arkansas youth were being shunted into institutional care. Um, a lot of these people, a lot of these kids were like impoverished or black, uh-huh. even though not like Arkansas has a huge population of black people, but a large <laughs> You know, like everywhere. It's yeah. like disproportionate, yes, you know? Yes, of course. So, well, they're, and you said they were being shipped from all these other states and stuff. Initially, yeah. I think probably still, right? So they're, they were being reimbursed at a higher rate than more effective community and family-based treatments. Mm-hmm. So institutional settings that isolate children from their families are not really a great form of treatment, uh, leading mental health experts say. Right. So it's best to keep them in their communities with their families yeah, and like working to, with families exactly. and communities to kind of solve that, solve the problem. Yeah, because even if you're, even if you are a reputable place and you're not beating the children, but you take them out and they're living on a ranch for a year or two and then you bring them home, they don't know how to live in the society that they're going to be living in. They don't know how to interact with their neighborhood and what's going on with their household. Not to mention... Like, how scary would that be? You yeah. know, taken away from your family and what you know and, like, people who love you and be sent to, like, this place with all these kids that all, like, the adults are beating you and you don't know, like, there's no way out mm-hmm. and you can't even talk to your family. And, like, who knows if your family can even afford to come visit you once a month, right. you know? like right. So Arkansas sent more than 5,600 kids into institutional mental health care in 2005. Jesus. The state was second only to Alaska on a per capita basis in treating emotionally disturbed children in institutional settings. Wow. Alaska has a... I don't think Alaska has a very big population. Well, per capita. Yeah. So, yeah, they probably weren't sending that many kids, yeah. you know, but but because Arkansas was sending so many. So... Ted had no accountability because he would not allow regulators or reporters to visit. He resisted state DHS and education department inspection. He was also paying off a deputy director of the Department of Human Services named Stephen Jones. Looking at you, Stephen Jones, you dicky <laughs> balls. I mean, dicky nut. Nut. <laughs> <laughs> So he allegedly wanted Jones to modify DHS policy to expand the geographic radius of his business operations and to get him reappointed to the state's Child Welfare Review Board. So when Governor Governor Baby got elected, he was just a big baby in a diaper talking to Dickie Nut. No, that's Huckabee. Damn it. He he wanted to reform mm-hmm. like all the like some of the shit that Huckabee did. Yeah. And he was like, You should not be allowed to regulate your own businesses yes. if you're getting taxpayer money. So he like he was trying to change that around. So he appointed other people to the review board because he was like, Clearly this is fucking dumb and it's not gonna work. Because you're just going to approve, like, whatever the hell you want to approve that makes your business better. Like, so he, um, like I said, he got rid of, like, a lot of the people who were running child welfare services yeah, very loosely, services. you know, um, and appointed them with people who were, you know, like, outside of those businesses, but who could actually maybe make some good decisions. Uh-huh. But Ted didn't like it, and he wanted back on the board. Uh-huh. 
So Stephen Jones has pled guilty in federal court to accepting bribes from 2007 to 2013 <sighs> from Ted in exchange for information that the Department of Human Services had on his businesses. So Ted had like multiple businesses, including a second facility that housed children for mental health services called Maxis. So they're just cash farms where they're just being like, yeah, yeah. we're helping these kids. Now give us money. All right. We, well, we're not going to really feed them or make them do anything except for stand at a wall or look at a Bible. And then we can just make a bunch of money and then we'll give it to people yeah. and things that are hateful. Great. Yeah. So between the Lord's Ranch and Maxis, uh, Ted got a total of, or his company has got a total of one million. So, sorry, one hundred and thirty-five million. Oh my God! Six hundred and forty-two thousand three hundred and thirty-seven dollars for Medicaid inpatient and outpatient psychiatric services since two thousand nine. No wonder they can get a jet. Oh, sorry, my my bad. Maxis was the outpatient. Oh, I think. Yeah. A uh, hundred and thirty-five million dollars that is supposed to go to help children uh-huh. with their mental health issues is going into this dick's pocket. <sighs> like, we need what? way more checks and balances. <laughs> and he's getting paid to abuse children. Yeah. By our taxpayer dollars. We and yet we can't him. afford universal health care. Yep. Yeah, we're fucking we're paying, paying him to abuse to children. Yep. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think I'd rather fund uh, some guy abusing children rather than everyone else being able to go to the doctor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Arkansas, you guys were paying him a lot of money. Uh-huh. He's probably getting some federal money, too. I don't think that Arkansas has a very big population either, but I could be completely wrong. I just don't. Maybe they have some big cities. I don't know. Little Rock? I don't really know much about that area. I try not to go okay. south. They don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like your kind they down there. They don't like my kind. <laughs> try and avoid that. Basically, stick to the coasts. That's that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, coasts are a better, safer mm-hmm. environment. <laughs> <laughs> Scary out there. It's terrifying. It's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. So. By 2011, the FBI had begun closing in on the alleged scheme, culminating in a wiretap of Carter and and surveillance. I'll get into who Carter was down the line. So the investigation began when the FBI received a citizen complaint that Carter was basically double dipping. Mm -hmm. So before Philip Wayne Carter, he was a former West Memphis city councilman. Uh He was sentenced in 2013 in federal court to three years probation for conspiracy to commit election fraud in a case involving uh, a representative who also pled guilty. Uh So he's also like a really decent guy. So let's see. Okay. So a man of the Lord. (laughs) So before the bribery scheme in question evolved, Carter was involved in another shady deal with Ted. He was also a juvenile probation officer, and as such, he referred youth to Ted's behavioral health businesses in return for Ted giving Carter's wife 
a practically no-show job from 2007 through 2012. This was her job. Okay, yeah, I want to know. She occasionally answered a cell phone, and she was paid $35,000 a year. To occasionally to sometimes answer, a cell phone. answer a cell phone. And here we are struggling just to pay our bills, working, you know, actual work weeks and barely scraping by and Yeah. Like what? And not being able to afford Yeah, how do I get that job? We gotta start a religion I... and then we just gotta start funneling in money that the government's gonna give us. That's what I'm learning from this lesson. I was going to say I would be really good at occasionally answering a phone call, but I, like, miss all my phone calls, so maybe I wouldn't even be qualified for that job. Dude, you literally, like, <laughs> leave your phone for, like, two days, and you're like, oh, my God, something her- horrible happened, and then you're like, oh, no, I just decided I didn't, it was no phone zone, so I just, like, turned it off, and, like... I need to get better at doing that, actually, and do that way more often. Because... <laughs> You'll freak mom out. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem is I can't do that because mom gets really scared but yeah. it's really a lot better for my own mental health to like not have a phone near me well maybe you should get this job where you get paid $35,000 a year that's what I'm in thinking I could totally live off 2007 to 2012 money so that's like even more now I mean I think I make like way less nowadays and I not that I live a lavish lifestyle. I basically live in a garage, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very big garage. It's quite a large garage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so a citizen complained to the FBI about Carter, and then Carter, they, like, confronted him, and he was basically like, I'll help you, like, catch this scheme okay. happening. So um, in October, uh, a videotaped meeting... Oh, okay. So they, oh. <laughs> oh. Anyway, anyway, they found out that he was doing some shady shit. They confronted him. He's like, "Chill, I'll work with you guys. It's fine." <laughs> so in 2013, the FBI first got in touch with DHS, interviewing some staff members. Ted has denied all wrongdoing, and he he was unaware that this investigation was happening until Jones pled guilty to conspiracy and bribery charges set out in the information filed by the U.S. Attorney's Office. That information says that Jones solicited the bribes. So Ted was, like, completely... He had no idea this was happening until the other guy involved also pled guilty. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, Cherith Beck, which I think it's... Cherith? (laughs) Yeah, because of Arrested Development. She's like, what's your name? He's like, Cherith. (laughs) What's your last name? Cute story. Yeah. Cherith, cute cute story. story. (laughs) I didn't know Cherith was a name, but I guess it is. So, Cherith Beck, a spokesperson for the U.S. Attorney's Office, said Jones could be sentenced to not more than five years in federal prison and fined $250,000 and three years supervised release on the conspiracy charge and not more than 10 years in federal prison and a $250,000 fine plus three years supervised release for the bribery charge. Uh, how about, and then on top of that, you have to pay all the taxpayers back all the money that was used? Uh, also, you get to, like, give those children their lives back? Uh, no? no you, you can't, can't do can't that? The oh, hmm. the hands isn't that weird? Hmm. Shouldn't you be in prison for, like, longer? Interesting. Although, you know what, you know what they should do is just make them either the wall or the Bible. That's it. Those are your oh. choices. Yeah, you should have to stand on the wall mm-hmm. for fucking ten years. Uh-huh. 
Or you can do Bible and study. And then... But also while standing. But on the wall. And then we'll, like, throw you around mm-hmm. and pull your arms back until you scream. Well, because we got to exercise the demons. So we might hear a pop. That's right. Then that's how we know that the demons have arrived. Then we'll exercise the demons. <laughs> and then you can go back to your normal society. Don't worry. We're really good at bandaging you up. We have a whole stack of cardboard. So this is how the scheme went. According to the information filed in court, money was delivered to Jones from Ted through two intermediary, intermediaries whose names were kept anonymous. Mm-hmm. Person A was a pastor and a superintendent of a church in West Memphis, and person B was a, uh, a juvenile probation officer and West Memphis city council member. So we know that person B was Carter. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you who person A was later. Mm. So the checks were made out to the pastor's church. The pastor then provided cash to Jones during meetings at restaurants. And then that's how the money was spread around. So, uh, again, what's his name? Ted would give the money to the church and be like, oh, I'm just generously donating to this church. <laughs> and then the pastor would give the money to Jones. Mm-hmm. Or Carter would give the money to Jones. So this information, ha- like, was included on a recorded phone conversation between Jones and Carter. So Carter said, listen, this is what I called you about. Our friend got some concerns about the way some of the referral process is going in northeast Arkansas. Hmm. Uh, competitor company is like it's like everybody is obligated to give them to competitor company (laughs) I don't know if that's a move that was made by the state or what but nothing has changed here we have the system for how we refer give them like like they're just like objects of like "Eh, we didn't get our supply in this week this other goddamn competitor companies under under buying us taking other children taking the our children our so they can give them mental health services great and then Joan says I know you got that on lock and then they laughed <laughs> and then Carter says we're using says, hip lingo <laughs> and then Carter said yeah yeah uh, person C which I think per- oh person C is Ted. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, Ted just has some concerns. So when you get home this weekend, if you can man, well, it's state convocation for the pastor's church this weekend. So we probably won't get a chance to touch, but within the next two weeks. Then Jones goes, yeah, I've actually been, I actually intend to call you a couple weeks ago because of some stuff I told you. I sit in on the monitor meetings now because of, because of Ted. (laughs) So Carter says, right. And then Jones says, and some stuff came up with, with Ted at the last not Ted personally, regarding Ted's organization, which is directed at Ted, and I got the new monitoring reports yesterday, Monday, and I haven't read them yet, but I was going to say, hell, you might uh, get back on schedule. So he is reporting to Ted, like, all the shit that they're digging up on Mm -hmm. him, that the department is like, uh, this guy's, like, super sketchy, and he's like, let me just give it over to you so you can, like, you know, protect yourself. Mm -hmm. So later in that conversation, Jones tells Carter that he'll provide information on the internal reports about 
Ted and let them and let him know of the stuff that's been said about him. So it's a bunch of like gossipy little bitches. <laughs> so Ted wrote a lot of checks to the church as charitable donations. Mm-hmm. And then Carter delivered the cash to Jones soon after some of those donations were made. Oh, oh never mind. Never mind. So Carter and Ted's friendship began in 2001 or 2002 at a Christmas dinner at Texas de Brazil. Ooh, how exotic. An upscale Brazilian steakhouse chain in Memphis. Texas de Brazil. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? <So dumb. laughs> They're not even in Texas. It's like the Texas of Brazil. They're not even in <laughs> Texas. Texas, uh, Texas de Brazil in Arkansas. In Memphis. In, oh, in Tennessee. Oh, man. I don't know. It might be a Memphis, Arkansas. Is there a Memphis, Arkansas? I don't know. There's got to be. There is a Des Moines, Washington. Mm. So there's got to be. A, I mean. I should have looked that know, up. Got a lot of cities that are named the same thing. So many cities are the same. Like, name the same thing. It's amazing. It's like you can't come up with other names. We've all spent all of our names already. Well, I know, like, I don't Okay, I might have just made this up, but I think this is real. <laughs> <laughs> that like it's always a good way to you start. know, there's a Portland, Maine, and yeah. that people from Portland, Maine, moved to Oregon, and they created Portland, Oregon because they wanted it. To, they wanted to name it after their old town. I mean, I would, yeah. I guess Portland, Maine would be like way older, yeah. so I could see that happening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, maybe I'll edit that out. <laughs> we no, do have that the was a fun fact. That, you know. Thanks. <laughs> Could we don't know shit. That's fine. It sounded, sounded good. good. <laughs> <laughs> so the dinner that they met at was an event that Ted sponsored for juvenile judges and court personnel. Oh, I thought you like juvenile judges were just like kid judges. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> So, I mean, if that doesn't sound like a conflict of... In- like, mm-hmm. what? You're, like, having this fancy Texas Day Brazil dinner for, like, the people who are sending children your way? Uh-huh. Yeah. How is that allowed to happen? But you know when you're in Memphis that the one way to seduce someone is to take them to Texas Day Brazil, and whatever you want, <laughs> you're going to get, basically. It's just That's as right. good as jewelry, you know? So, Carter is also an ordained minister pastor or something uh, at the 15th street church of god in christ in west memphis yep well now if i'm thinking it is tennessee gay. are they really close to each they must be really close to each other then right god in jesus that's a little gay yeah well i mean god's in all of us so. <laughs> i felt that <laughs> and he also sometimes led worship service at the lord's ranch at the request of ted's now deceased father bud so th- where he'd be paid 500 dollars a visit oh my god so they're just like having like a congregation going doing a church thing and they're like don't worry about all those kids lined up on the wall it's totally normal they're learning their lesson no no the kids well Unless the, kids that wanted, unless the kids wanted to, stu- you know, Bible study. 
Well, Carter's like from a juvenile. He's like a probation officer. So he's like, oh, I know these kids are all bad yeah. anyway. So make them stand on the wall. It's right. fine. I'm going to give my sermon anyway <laughs> about how Jesus loves us all. We need to like yeah. be kind to one another while the kids are like screaming <laughs> exactly. in pain. Great. Except them. I they get $500 it. for this. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. I'll you ever heard it. of original sin? We're just beating the sin out of them. Don't worry. <laughs> They'll be good after this. So now when Ted's trial came around, because remember the other two dudes pled guilty. Mm-hmm. He had a perfectly legal explanation oh, okay. for his behavior. Good. What was it? And so he took the stand to explain oh, it all great. away. Tell us, Ted. He denied making bribes to former DHS Deputy Director Stephen Jones, mm-hmm. arguing that a series of checks he wrote to the 15th Street Church of God in Christ in West Memphis from 2007 to 2011 were just what they seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Good faith donations. Yes. Not unlike the hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> in other charitable contributions he and his family have made over the years to evangelical Christian causes and God. others. Hate so here's groups. what I'm saying. Don't all of his money is coming from taxpayer dollars yep, to fund and hate he's groups. taking tax money mm-hmm. and putting it into churches mm-hmm. and bribing political mm-hmm. people and like how is that? Le- like how is that able to happen not just legal but how is that happening it's because like, how look is at that? what you're just saying like all the government people that, that they're all schmoozing with are like totally we're all we believe in that so we're gonna get the money and help you do it it's all corrupt well and not only that but they're like yeah we'll give you the money as long as you give us some of that money of course because it's all corrupt it's all corruption yeah that's so corrupt so do 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 Ted said the then pastor of the 15th Street C-O-G-I-C, Kogic, John Bennett was a longtime friend of Ted's father, Bud, and the donations were intended to support Bennett's campaign to become a bishop within the church. Oh, good. We just want him to be a bishop is all. We're giving them thousands and thousands of dollars just so he can be a bishop. Yes. Like, what? He's got to have the cool little bishop hat. Why are you campaigning to be bishop? Isn't that something that, like, what? Because then he has more power. No, but, what, like, why is that a campaign? Oh, no. Like, it... why do you need thousands of dollars in order to get a promotion in your God work? God loves money. Have you learned nothing okay, about yeah. how much no, the I'm God people that. need I'm their to get money? That now. Like he yeah. needs money, gold bars preferably, diamonds mm-hmm. are okay, just any kind of, you know, worth any kind of trinket worth something. He needs deeply. But isn't the whole thing that it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than to force a camel through the eye of a needle or something. They pick and choose. That's in the Bible. They pick and choose. (laughs) So. They do the Bible how they want to make it up. So yes, Ted said he did meet with Jones, a top administrator within the state regulatory agency DHS responsible for overseeing his behavioral health enterprises. (laughs) But in his telling, those meetings were harmless. They arose after Ted was venting to Pastor Bennett in 2007 about his company's mistreatment by DHS because of his faith. Yes. They told me that I can't throw children across the room and snap the demons out of them. It's just horrible. They told me they weren't going to give me $500 a day for children if I <laughs> oh keep God. being a fucking dick. Do you know how much so, it costs to repair this jet that's out here? I need more money. I mean, God needs more money. His jet needs to be updated. 
The family changed the name of the Lord's Ranch to Trinity Behavioral Health, Ted said, because of the perceived mistreatment from the state due to religious discrimination. Oh, wow. Yep. That's what they always do. They always cry religious discrimination when it's... Even though they're discriminating against every other religion? And you're harming people. You're physically and mentally and emotionally harming people. Yeah, it's not about your religion. That's part of it. But it's also about you not doing what you're saying you're supposed to be doing. Like helping children. Exactly. So, we felt that we'd been discriminated against, helped to a different standard, and we felt changing the name might help us. <laughs> you mean help you hide, you, like, coward? So, Bennett, Pastor Bennett, allegedly told Ted that Jones, a friend of Bennett's and a member of another Kojic, Kojic <laughs> congregation had just been appointed to the DHS deputy direction position and that Ted should try to meet with Jones because he's a Christian and he shares all our values and he loves Jesus. Oh yeah. He'll understand our plight that Jesus needs the money and he needs the children beat. And he can listen to your cries and about how it's not fair. It's hard. They won't let us have our money that we earned fair and square. Yeah. (laughs) God, what a bunch of whiny little uh, bitches. Pastor Bennett didn't testify because he died in 2014. Oh, oh wow. Oh, sad. He didn't, he wasn't so, just stuck on a wall for all eternity. The businessman, the businessman and the government official met and developed a friendly relationship and nothing more. <laughs> they continued to meet over the next several years, mostly because we had a mutual interest in Pastor Bennett, Ted said. Okay, that's weird. Although they'd sometimes chat about business and politics as well, including more venting about mistreatment from DHS. But mostly about how we both want to suck Pastor Bennett's dick. So this narrative from the defense leaves out the central role of Philip Carter. Mm-hmm. So Carter's the one who delivered the cash from Pastor Bennett's church to Jones following at least some of those friendly meetings. On cross-examination, the prosecution raised this point repeatedly with Ted. And so Carter was a deacon at the 15th St- the 15th Street Kojic and a friend of Shoals or Ted's. Mm-hmm. And he pled guilty to conspiracy charge and was cooperating with the prosecution. Okay. So if Ted's meetings with Jones were really innocuous, why were they always brokered by Carter? Mm-hmm. Um, and the defense said that Carter was just uh, a hustler and a local con man <laughs> who was also a deacon, yeah, but what? whatever. I mean, that to me goes hand in hand, but to them, it's like, oh, wait, you're going to like, I don't know, you you believe in all this shit and that he's like some kind of good man of God, but then you're going to say that he's a, a liar and like cheating everyone, yeah. even though you yeah. were working with him? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. They're all hypocrites. Mm-hmm. They're all hypocrites. Mm-hmm. So, so Jones and Ted, who are just, you know, friends venting and <laughs> hanging out, but they never called one another. Uh. Instead, calls went between Ted and Carter and Carter and Jones. Weird. Each time before the three men met together at a Memphis restaurant, Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> Do you think that they called so, it like Texbra? Yeah, text day bra. I'll meet you down at the text de bra. Hey, bra. Meet you at text bra. 
so him being so yeah the defense being like oh no they're just like friends who meet but then it's like okay well then how come Carter's always there and how come he's always the one that arranges the meetings and if they're really good friends then why don't they ever call each other mm-hmm. so there were up to 13 meetings from 2007 to 2011 and during that time Ted's companies received over 125 million dollars in Medicaid reimbursements <sighs> through DHS oh my God. Jones did not directly control the flow of that money, but he had the ability to influence agency policy and give information to Ted so that Ted could be like, oh, we're following all your rules. Uh-huh. You can't come look, but we promise we are. <laughs> uh, we, we'll, we'll swear on the Bible. So the prosecution called a rebuttal witness, Janie Huddleston, who served as the other deputy director at DHS from 2004 to 2014, when Stephen Jones was also the deputy director. Mm-hmm. Huddleston said that Ted's companies were far from the only faith-based providers in the state. She said, I don't think that I don't think in Arkansas we could do without faith faith based faith based providers, what? which is disgusting. But okay. What do you mean you can't do without it? Like what? Basically they're so religious that they wouldn't stand for it. I don't know. That is so fucking disturbing well when you have someone like governor huckabee yeah. who's like oh you can't separate yeah. religion from separate? politics it's basically the same thing if you don't have religion Why? and politics then you're gonna do make immoral choices like farming right. children for money right so why would he support a secular based mental health place where he's gonna be like they're just gonna teach children like bad things oh. <laughs> anyway Like how to take care of themselves and others, but whatever. So defense attorney, the the defense attorney um, in 2011, the FBI had wiretaps on Carter's phone. And most of the evidence presented in the trial was generated in relation to a single meeting between Ted, Carter and Jones that occurred on September 11th, 2011 at Texas Day, Brazil. (laughs) Once again, the jury heard recordings of Ted talking to Carter about two issues, the DHS referring patients to a rival provider, Mid-South Health Systems. I think I mentioned to Carter I was upset regarding Mid-South, Ted said. However, he continued such DHS referrals weren't a big part of his business. He wanted DHS to change its practice mostly for the principle of the thing. (coughs) He felt it was unfair and also illegal for DHS to be steering its referrals to a single provider. Mm -hmm. That wasn't him. Right, exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, uh, except that he was fine when it was all going to him, but then once other people, uh, competitors in the market of farming children. Right. Oh my God. Disgusting. I hate them all. Yeah. I hate them all too. So Carter delivered $1,000 to Jones, passed through the window of Jones's Lexus in a parking lot of a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> classy. So classy. But that was only after he had began cooperating with the FBI. So on cross-examination, uh, the prosecutor asked Ted about the assertion that Pastor Bennett effectively introduced him to Jones in 2007, and Ted said that he barely knew Jones before then. <laughs> I think I'd seen him once in my life or twice, he said. Oh. But the prosecutor pointed out that Ted had entered into a contract with Jones only a few years before in 2004. <laughs> we have relationships with hundreds of vendors, Ted said. Mm-hmm. In 2004, vendors, Jones was a state... Vendors of children? Yeah. What in the fuck? <laughs> 
In 2004, hey, it's big money. <laughs> Apparently. In 2004, Jones was a state legislature and not yet appointed to the DHS under a professional marketing agreement. Ted paid Jones $1,000 per month. Jones testified that he didn't do any work in return for this fee. Mm-hmm. Ted said that he did believe that Jones did some work, some printing, and that he wasn't aware Jones was a legislature at the time. What? Excuse me? It's... So he's just giving him $1,000. And this is in... Because maybe he'll, like, print some things for him sometimes. And this is in the 2000s? Yeah, right. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, right. You don't You're know definitely paying him what off. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the most damaging part of the testimony for Ted, though, was when the prosecutor played back the wiretapped calls between him and Carter. In one such recording made on July 25th, 2011, Ted told Carter, Hey, next time you see your buddy, meaning Jones, Mm -hmm. I wish you would ask him, you know, what I talked to him about this before, and he could put a stop to this without it being about us. You know, the DHS... In Northeast Arkansas, they give all the referrals to Mid-South in outpatient, and that needs to have a stop put to it. Oh, my God. It'd be more competitive. I'm not asking him to give them all to us. He could definitely put a stop to that because that's under his purview. And all he'd have to do is send out a memo or start telling his department heads, don't do that. It's any provider, whoever is providing the best job, needs to be providing the outpatient services. (sighs) Oh, yeah, because you're providing what? such good jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Carter testified that Ted would pay him a few hundred dollars in cash when they'd shake hands at holiday parties <laughs> that Ted was hosting for juvenile justice officials, including judges, mm-hmm. people who had the ability to revert, refer children to his companies. He said that actually the holiday parties were requested by the judges, and we were happy to buy them dinner. What? Yeah, the judges were uh-huh. like, you know, I'm feeling like I need a, a little a little bribe here. You want to throw a party we for me? We need some Brazilian food I'm immediately. I'm hearing that Tex bra is delightful. <laughs> Wink. So finally, the prosecutor pressed Ted on the fateful meeting at the Texas bra (laughs) in September 2011, and that if the check he gave Carter was intentionally intended only for the church, he asked, why didn't Ted give Carter that check earlier in the night? (laughs) Because Ted and Carter drove from West Memphis to the Memphis restaurant together. What? So it's like, he's like, well, I only gave him that check, like, for his church. And it's like, okay, but you guys spent, like, time in the car together. Yeah, so obviously. Why not give it to him there? Yeah. Yep. Obviously, you're passing it to him to pass to someone else. Uh So the two character witnesses spoke up uh, about Ted's reputation for generosity to Christian causes, which, so what? But anyway, Scott McLean, who runs a Christian-centered reentry program for prisoners in Little Rock, Pathway to Freedom, and Rob Smith of the American Bible Society. <laughs> Although what they failed to mention was that both organizations had received over $300,000 in support from the Saul family. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, they're going to be like, oh, he's so generous to our Christian organizations. Uh He's such a good person because he's giving us money. So in July of 2016, Ted was convicted on four of six charges. 
federal funds bribery, interstate travel in aid of bribery, and two counts of fraud that deprives others of honest services. And sentenced to seven years. Hmm. Seven years. He's got something. And he's still got millions and millions of dollars. I thought he was going to pay his way out of it. Well, after a campaign led by good old shithead Suckabee Suckabee. on July 29th, 2019, President Donald Trump commuted the sentence and Ted was released after serving two and a half years. Oh my God. There's never been a time when I've wanted to punch people more than right now. And their stupid, smug little faces. Ooh, I hate those the people. And... Ooh, I fucking hate those people. Thanks for making me really fucking mad right now. <laughs> Fuck. God bless America. God bless America and its wonderful hypocrisy and horrible treatment of human beings. All of them suck so, so badly. Fuck. And they don't even get punished for it. No, because they have money. Our money that we're paying. Yeah, we're paying them that money. Fuck. And then it's commuted based on what? Because he's a good Christian. Because he's a good Christian. He was just doing a good job indoctrinating and abusing children. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. I think they're all fucking tossed salads. I hate them all. Disgusting, shrivelly, wilted salads that uh, are not fit to even be on the bottom of someone's shoe. No. Disgusting people. I hate them. Yes. I hope that they get what's coming to them in their their believed perceived hells whatever they perceive they're as their religious like, hell i hope that they go there and that they they're just all so greedy and horrible and it's like you're playing with people's lives and you don't even care mm-hmm. you don't even see that nope. and then you claim to be a good christian nope. it's like uh no, no. you're not a shitty human being. so this is a lesson on a small scale of what happens when government money goes into religious organizations disgusting uh have we learned no Clearly it's happening not. still, so, and your story is pretty recent. On a bigger scale. Shit. Yay. America. Oh, there's a... Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> there's some moth? kind of bug in here that just <laughs> flew into my face. It's got to be a moth at this time of night. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Um, oh, before we get into my story, I just wanted to tell you I had a talk with Mom. Yeah. She asked Dad. Yeah. And Herb's name is Herbert. So. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know that now, but like, now but I kind of want to have a like, kid and name it Herb and just be like, well, that's it. it. But then she was like, well, then I started wondering if his name was just Herb. So I had to ask him. <laughs> See, not everyone knows. 
I wasn't way off base. And How then many dad herbs? said basically exactly what I said. Like, duh, what do you think his name is? <laughs> okay, that's because mom and I are the same person. <laughs> oh, so good. Thank you, mom, for validating my like... <laughs> Well, I've never been introduced to him as Herbert, so how the fuck am I supposed to know that it's not just Herb? (laughs) My name is just Herb. Dude, I will have a child just to prove that you can name a child just just Herb. (laughs) Just Herb. (laughs) Herb, period. That's it. That's right. Capital (laughs) H-E. RB. Capital H, silent. Silent, capital H. <laughs> ah. Herb. His name is Herb now. Herb. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's very, like, Berkeley or, like, Northern California. Right? Mm-hmm. Herb and okay. sage. Yep. <gasps> sage. Anyway, I got my information from Murderpedia, East Valley Tribune. Listen, you always get your shit from Murderpedia, and I can never find a fucking murder <laughs> that has information on Murderpedia. It's very it, like, few and far time. between. It some is. of them have some of them have really good information and like pictures and like they go super in depth when they're on there. And then some of them are yeah. just like little blurbs. It's like it's a copy paste from Wikipedia, and you're just like, mm. okay, thank you for the information. And a lot of them there. aren't even fucking on there. So yeah. 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 So I lucked out. I know. I'm just, yes, I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, ArizonaCentral.com, mm. uh, VictoriaAdvocate.com, CBS News, and the East Valley Tribune. All right. Jumping in. Starting Jump in. Starting in May of 2005. Oh. Seemingly, what? You did like a current one too. I mean, 2005 was like 15 Shut up. years Shut ago. Shut up! <laughs> so current, irrelevant. That's fucking last year. Shut up. <laughs> Feels like it. I know. But during that time, there were a bunch of seemingly random acts of violence happening in Arizona, mostly in Phoenix. Uh oh. And so I'm just gonna kind of like go through a list of a bunch of the things that were happening at that time. Okay. Some of them have not much detail because I couldn't find much detail and right, some of them right. have a little bit more detail. Yeah. So in 2005, on May 17th, Tony Mendez, 39, was shot and killed in Phoenix. Oh my God. On May 24th, Reginald... That's it? What? He was killed. That's it. That's the end. Yeah, that's all the information oh, I have. Okay, he was thanks. shot and yeah. killed. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> on May on May 24th, Reginald Ree Millard... 56 was shot and killed in Phoenix. Oh, my God. On June 29th, David Estrada, 20, was shot to death in Tolleson, which I think is near to Phoenix or a pl- I don't know, but they put that, so I, I had to say it. Yeah. Um, on the same day of June 29th, a horse named Sarah Moon was found shot to death in a Tolleson. Horse? A horse. Nay. Sarah Moon? Sarah Moon shot, murdered, murdered. I know in her pasture. Okay. Yeah. July 20th, a horse named Apache was shot and wounded in Tolleson. On that same day, July 20th, a dog named Whiskey was (gasps) shot to death. Oh my God. On November 11th, a dog named Ship was shot and wounded. On November 11th, a dog named Irving, (gasps) which adorable, was shot and wounded. On November 11th, Nathan- Nathaniel Schaffner was killed, 
and I read somewhere that he was killed, like, he was trying to protect his dog from being shot. Oh my god, what the fuck? On December 29th, a dog was shot to death. I couldn't find that dog's name. December 29th, after the dog was shot, Barbara Whitner was shot and survived. What On that same day, Timmy Tordai uh, just finished his shift from a cafeteria when he stood outside to wait for a bus to take him home, and he was shot in the neck and so survived. just, like, going around shooting. Yes. What the fuck? But yes, On... let's all own guns, because that's safe. <laughs> On December 29th, Jose Ortiz, 44, was fatally shot. On the same day of December 29th, Marco Carrillo, 28, was fatally shot. What the fuck? The only clue appears to be the description of a vehicle seen near the shootings in Tolleson and Phoenix. The vehicle is believed to be a 1995 or newer Honda-type sedan, dark green or gray, with tinted windows. All Phoenix police officers were advised Friday to pay special attention to small-caliber weapons and animal issues. (laughs) Police said it was likely the shooter or shooters was bragging about what they've done, and they're asking the public to step forward with tips. What are animal issues? I'm assuming, like, people are calling you, like, my dog was shot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, December 30th, two dogs that were shot. uh, What the fuck? They were in their yard, so the, the owner of the dog's... His name was Ron. His name is Ron Travis of Phoenix. He said it was just pure meanness, I guess. Aww. The owner of the dogs, uh, the dogs were outside of the fenced yard doing their business before bedtime when Travis heard one cry out in pain. His oh, son God. heard two pops. Peyton, an eight-year-old Labrador mix, had to be put to sleep. Oh, and Mar- I know Martin, a three-year-old Transylvania hound. Survived, but has a bullet lodged in its chest. Martin. It's senseless, Travis. Travis, Travis said, "I don't know what's the matter with them when they do things like that. I think it's just somebody driving around and they're looking for something to shoot." Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. That same day, December thirtieth, Clarissa Stevens, uh, twenty-one, was wounded. She was walking alone on Van Buren Street at two a.m. Then we're going into 2006, so December 30th, that's when the last one happens, Mm -hmm. and then in 2006, May 2nd, Kibali Tambadu was shot in the back while walking. They survived. The same day, Claudia Gutierrez-Cruz, 20, was fatally shot while walking in Scottsdale. What the fuck? May 17th, Timothy Davenport was stabbed in an attack that night. When a man got out of a car and walked past him while the car drove up to him and the car asked him if he was doing okay, the two exchanged a few words when Davenport suddenly felt a sharp pain in his back. When he turned around, he was slashed in the face with a knife and stabbed (gasps) again before he was able to run for help. What the fuck? He survived after being hospitalized. What the fuck is happening? What is happening? What are you telling me right now? I'm telling you a bunch of... Horrible things that happen to people, and no. So imagine you're in Phoenix, Arizona no. at this time, and you just th- you just keep hearing like person shot, like randomly killed, stabbed, dog shot, dog shot, horse dog shot. shot, dog shot. Yeah, person Human stabbed killed. across the fucking face. Yeah. No. 
Um, like all over Arizona. Nope, just in Phoenix. I thought it was like Phoenix and Scottsdale. And to- to- and to- well, it was. It seems like there. It's like pretty neat, like in close the same to Phoenix. Kind of area. No, kind, but yeah, still yeah. fucking no. Similar area. Um. So on May thirtieth, James Hodge was wounded by gunfire. Two uh, to men flagged down. Mm-hmm. Two men. Two men. <laughs> to, two men. Two men. Two men flagged to men. down <laughs> to men. Okay. Two men flagged yeah. down police when yeah. they say they saw an injured man. Yeah. The two men identified themselves as brothers who were out looking for their cat when they heard oh, a no. scream and later saw the injured victim. Oh no. On May 31st, Miguel Rodriguez was shot while walking on the sidewalk, um, and he survived. What the fuck? That same day, Daryl Davies was shot on the left on his left side, and survived. I'm not even near done. Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> what the fuck? On June 8th, Paul Patrick was shot on the right side while walking. That same day. Two arson fires happened. Arson fires. Two, ar- <laughs> two arsons happened in two different WalMarts, causing about the like Walmart? five million millions of dollars in damage. WalMarts have millions of dollars in each store. Mots. Yeah, you gotta Walmart. go to the mot. You gotta go to the mot. What the Which, fuck? I mean, okay, yeah. you're gonna keep it's reading this list for like ten more minutes. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> a couple days later, on June 11th, Elizabeth Clark was shot in the left hip while riding her bicycle. She survived. June 20th, Frederick Sena was shot while sitting in a church parking lot. So this has been happening for, like, months? Yeah. And people are still, like, leaving their houses? (laughs) Yeah. There's no clues. That's fine. I'll just starve inside. It's okay. I just don't (laughs) want to get shot. It's fine. I'm hungry, but it's okay. It's fine. And my cat will bring me some rats and we'll eat a feast. We'll share it together. (laughs) (laughs) Toby would bring you some nice rats if you asked. Uh, He'd fight me for those mice. (laughs) Um, On the same day that Frederick Sena was shot, Tony Long was shot in the torso with a shotgun while walking. He survived. July 1st, Diane Bien, who was shot while walking, survived. Same day, Jeremy Ortiz was shot while standing behind a strip mall. He survived. July 3rd, Joseph Roberts, who was shot while pushing his bicycle on the sidewalk, survived. Okay, that's like me. Always pushing my... (laughs) So I'm afraid I'm going to miss like a red light. I'm going to miss the green light and have to stop at a red. And then it's really hard to start up again. (laughs) What? With everyone watching you and you're trying to like... So I just walk it across. Ask mom. We'll walk it across the oh, crosswalk because no, everyone's going to watch us. I remember wa- biking with mom once. You mean and walking she was, your bike I was like, with mom, mom, look over. No, I was like, look over there. And she was like, I can't. If I look over there, that's why, where I'll go. <laughs> that's me on a bike. Like every time we stop, I'm like, don't turn red. Don't turn red. And then it turns red. I'm like, fuck, now I'm going to have to walk it across the crosswalk because everyone's going to watch me as I try and like start my bike up again. It's not going to happen. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, just like your (laughs) bike walking plight, poor Joseph was shot. I would have been shot, too, Joseph. He survived. Thank God. On June 7th, David Perez was shot. He survived. On July 8th, Ashley Armenta 
was shot in the back of the head while walking. <gasps> she survived. Fucking A. On July 8th, Gary Begay, who w- he was shot in the torso while walking. He survived. Oh, my God. July 11th, Michael Cordry was shot and survived. July 22nd, Raul Garcia was shot and survived. Wow. July 30th, Robin Blasnick, 22, was walking to her boyfriend's home in Mesa, a suburb in the east of Phoenix, at about 11.15 p.m. when she was gunned down. Neighbors heard a shot and ran to help the young woman, but she soon lost consciousness and died at the hospital. Her father told the East Valley Tribune that Blasnick grew up as a special needs child and lived part-time with her parents in Mesa and a group home in Tempe. She was she was just a great kid, very, very naive, and pure as far as not understanding the dangers of the world, Steve Blasnick, her father said. I guess my only regret is that I didn't give her a big hug. Oh, my oh, God. so sad. That's so sad. What the fuck? Right? So just people going about their days and animals going about their days and mm-hmm. in their own, you know, homes like near their houses. like walking down the fucking street. Yeah. What the fuck? Sorry. The assistant Phoenix police chief, Kevin Robinson, said... Indications are that we could have an individual or a group of individuals randomly driving around shooting at animals and yeah. occasionally people. When we look that at the like pattern, a lot of people. Yeah, when we look at the pattern of behavior, clearly it gives us cause for concern. Uh, clearly. Uh, how many people have been shot <laughs> at this point and how many animals have been like murdered? Seriously, mm, holy yeah. shit. He's like, "Well, uh, before maybe not, but now it's pretty clear." <laughs> So the the shots came in the dark of night in areas where virtually nobody was around. Mm. 14 of the shootings were with small caliber weapons and the other two were with a shot shotgun. Mm. Uh, the targets well, it sounds ab- like more than one person if someone was shot and then someone pulled up in a car, right. you know, fuck. The targets appear randomly picked. Yeah. It's like none of them look the same or they're the just, same like, age. They're just walking down they're, the street. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. People, just people outside alone, um, a dog, you know, dogs just on corner lots, yeah. surrounded by chain link fences, yeah. just easy targets. Do they want the, you know, easiest target? Yeah. Just horses that are out grazing or whatever they do at night. I don't know. I'm not a horse. Yeah, I'm not sure what horses do, but yeah. <laughs> never been like that close I've never to a been horse. a horse. <laughs> I've never been a horse, nor been like a horse carer. You've been, you've ridden a horse. I, I don't like it. I don't like it either. It's terrifying. I think it's rude, first of all, to first assume all, rude. that the horse wants you on there. Second of all, an animal that big that can still get spooked, it's like... Terrifying. Mm, I'm not mm-hmm, going I'm near good. that thing. No, thank no. you. Nice from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, Very majestic. <laughs> and they noticed cool. that there were, like, a couple clusters of, like, mm-hmm. people... Like, because you noticed there were some nights where it was, like, three people or a couple yeah. animals and a person. Yeah, so yeah. So there were some clusters... Police asked for help in solving the case. They asked for people to call in tips. All Phoenix police officers were advised to pay special attention. Oh, I said that to small caliber weapons and animal issues. Yeah. Police said it was likely a shooter. Okay, blah, blah. Why did I put that twice? A $5,000 reward was being offered through Silent Witness, which is like a tip hotline or something you could call in. A man named Ron Horton called in a tip to police. He said that one of his drinking buddies had bragged to him about shooting people. Oh, fun. 
fun. Mm, great. He told police that the drinking buddies would drive through cities selecting random targets that he said that the buddy called RV, which, okay, it stands (laughs) for random recreational violence, but Uh then, like, where's the other R is all I'm saying. Uh Uh-huh. You know, RRV. Right. I don't get it. Random random, RV? (laughs) Random RV. What a dick. Like, what the fuck? What a dick. Recreational violence. Okay, it sounds like a recreational asshole. Okay. Phoenix Police Department began... uh, Okay, so so they kind of were like, okay, that sounds interesting. We're going to try and follow your buddy. Yeah, people bragging about shooting people. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. And people are getting shot. Hmm. Oh, let's mm, look into it. Seems to go together. (laughs) So they decided that they were going to start trailing his the, the guy that Ron told him about. Okay, thank heavens for I know. people who for fucking the police are like, you know, my friend. I don't know that we should be friends anymore because they're like talking about shooting people. Yes. So let me call this in. Good on you, Ron. Yeah, fuck yeah, Ron. Uh, so they ended up following two men that were together. Yeah. They followed them observing them and then the cops found out where they lived and wiretapped their house okay they caught these two gentlemen bragging to each other oh lovely Mm -hmm. about how cool they were and how they were like such good serial killers they're so fucking cool and like how fun it is to make fun of our victims dying and shit dude isn't it so fun to like shoot people randomly and murder them and animals too which is yes so so fucking fun fun. so connection to your case i also have like transcripts from the wiretap that they do it Mm -hmm. so i just copied and pasted a a little bit just to show you what dickie um, nut said yes dickie (laughs) nut has a lot to say i'm gonna tell you i just pulled out the ones that i thought like you know we're like what the fuck it was it was literally all just like really you're just that's what you're gonna you guys are gonna talk about that like didn't you just do all that together but you're gonna Mm -hmm. i don't know they gotta relive it right yeah Yeah. okay so scum of the earth let's hear it one of them says police just released this new bit of information that the sniper or serial shooter because they were calling the the uh people's serial shooter that was Uh, because they are because they were serial shooter yes yes uh, the police just re- just released a new bit. bit- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like Porky Pig. Jesus Christ. Get it together. <laughs> That's uh, not all, folks. That is not all because <laughs> police were like, uh, we think that these people are circling around an area a couple times to make sure there's no witnesses. Mm. And he was like, you think? And then the other guy was like, yeah, you think, you dumb motherfucker. It took them a year and <laughs> a half so to come up with that. Wow. Oh. <laughs> we're bad. We're bad. We're so fucking clever. <laughs> and then the other guy's like, Mesa police have now officially linked the shooting death of a young Mesa woman to the serial killer, which now brings their total to six. And the other guy's like, it's higher than that. What about the guy I fucking shot on 27th oh Avenue God. in the yard? <laughs> and then the other one's like 
yeah, I love shooting people in the back. It's so much fun. Oh my god, it's laughing. so fun! Like <laughs> shooting people, like back. This so doesn't fun. even sound real. Like this sounds <laughs> like know. a horrible script, and this is what they were saying. Yes. And the other one's like, "Yeah, it is. Like it's so fun shooting other people." And then he's like, "Yeah, that fucking old man I shot. Ah, shit, all over the place." My, my favorite thing is, you know, when someone is walking away, you know, it gives me, you know, an extra couple seconds to aim. I don't have to worry about them looking. I get too paranoid of someone walking toward me, and while I'm trying to aim, they're they're freaking gonna see me or not. Not not so much see me, but the see the gun sticking out wrong or or something, and be able to give a description. That's why I think I try to wait till the last second when someone comes toward me. Normally, I don't even get it to my eye. I just get it somewhere where it looks like the barrel's pointed at them, and bang! Okay, I mean, I'm not, like, (laughs) rooting for these guys, but maybe that's why they're only killing, like, 20% of the people they're shooting. Yeah. Which is obviously too much anyway, but, like, you know. (laughs) Like, you're rooting for their not being dumb. Yeah, They're yeah, yeah. I'm reading for That's them good. closing their Probably eyes and, like, sl- not aiming, yeah. for sure. I'm just <laughs> saying. So, after the police heard that, they were like, yeah. well, that's enough to arrest uh, them. Case closed. Basically, just said everything. Yeah, they're fucking dumb. <laughs> so, they were both arrested on August 3rd, 2006, out t- out outside their apartment. Investigators later searched that Mesa apartment that the men shared. Wait, finding- wait, 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 wait. Back the fuck up. Yeah. They're talking on the phone. Yeah. About them doing no, these no. things. No, no. They're in their house. Oh, okay. okay. These guys are like, I was going to say, house. they're talking on the phone and they like fucking live together. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. No. <laughs> they're like on the couch because like some of right, it right. was like some of the transcript script, they were watching TV. So some of it was like the okay. TV saying like what was going on. Okay. I thought and like then, they wiretapped their phones and no, I was like, why the are house. they? Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. 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 So they found shotgun cartridges, shotguns, long rifles. The two men also apparently kept close tabs on what people were saying about the shootings. Of course. So they had like clippings of all the all the articles. Scrapbooking together. Yeah. Yeah. Scrapbook. Which one of them was just like, what? We just thought it was interesting that. You They're know, like, oh, well, we went to Michael's. We could not find any, like, cute scrapbooking, <laughs> like, gun stickers. Yeah, they're all out of their murder <laughs> stickers. Um, the and then the police were, like, digging through the trash, and they were like, well, what's this then? Because they found a map that had little red and blue dots representing the locations of the attacks. What Fucking the fuck? idiots. What the fuck? <laughs> The bag also contained an America's Most Wanted video, like, cassette mm. video that they had, like, taped, like, looking like, for like, dude, this episode, them. we gotta tape this episode. Yes, it's gotta Ooh. go in the scrapbook. It's us. And we'll just throw it in the trash. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think they were like, you know, we gotta bail or something. I mean, honestly, uh, though, that one dude who was like, hey, my friend is pretty suspicious, didn't yeah. say anything, then this all would have been fine. You know, they could have been scrapbooking and videotaping all they wanted to. They would have been scrapbooking away. They would have been like pros by now at scrapbooking. So they also, one of the other things that they found in the trash were clippings um, about attacks linked to another serial killer. Oh, God. During the exact same time. Oh, God. 
who was dubbed the Baseline Killer. Fuck. I'm just going to say the Baseline Killer, his name is Mark Goudeau. Oh, it was actually obviously, uh, Yes, who is obviously a story for another day. Uh-oh. Because uh, I'm just going to give you a little zip. Like, during this time, as all those... Yeah. All those things that I listed. Yes. Plus about 15 sexual assaults. Fuck. Nine, nine murders. And uh, kidnapping and armed robberies. Happening in, in the same area at the same time. What the fuck? Phoenix, Arizona area. <laughs> yeah. His spree what was between, o- between August 2005 and June 2006 in the Phoenix area. About exactly the same time as look these i don't care what heads. you say that wasn't that long ago <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> what the <fuck>? just yesterday <laughs> but i just had to put that out there that yeah. like you must have been terrifying to be in phoenix between 2005 and 2006 yes, that's because... <laughs> like mom growing up in sacramento in like the 70s and 80s where it's like people are being raped and murdered like every fucking day mm-hmm. it's like happening in phoenix but not that long ago yep way to go arizona yep yeah. Wow. So I'm just going to give you, like, what details I could find about these two guys that they arrested. Mm-hmm. So the first guy, born February 4th, 1973, Dale Hausner. Dale. He, Dale. He was a janitor at the Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Whoa. Who moonlighted as a radio talk show host and boxing ring well it said boxing ring announcer in one but then in a lot of them it was he was a boxing ring photographer he was actually a photojournalist for like boxing Mm. and he actually had you can look him up online he's got pictures of him and mike tyson like after a boxing match that mike tyson had okay he, he, he was known in the circle as like a photographer out there so he's a photographer announcer radio host slash janitor Yep. Dude's fucking busy. How does he have the time to fucking murder people? Some people just have all the drive. Look, if you're a photojournalist already, like, what the fuck are you doing? That's like a fucking good gig, right? Keep it going. I think so. It would be fun. You know Mike Tyson? Fuck. (laughs) He didn't bite your ear off? Dope. Get some bad tattoos and move on. Yeah. Anyway. um, Okay, it's really weird because, like, it's for such current... A, a such current event as you would yeah. say yeah um, as I, I would say I, yeah i couldn't find a ton on either one of their backgrounds weird i really couldn't find anything on either one of their backgrounds yeah uh so i'm just yeah i'm just gonna tell you what things what that i you found could find yeah so he's believed to be from omaha nebraska mm-hmm. and that by 1989 he moved to arizona where he obtained a social security number uh, for the first time in his life? I think. I don't know. I'm like, unless, I don't know. It must have been important because they included it in the article. Oh, uh, that's so weird. Beginning in 1991, records show that he lived at different addresses from West Phoenix to Central Mesa. I mean, when were social security numbers like a really big thing? Don't make me look dumb. Because here's you. the thing, like, we didn't get ours until I was born, so you were already, like, three years old, you know, and you didn't have But that one. was not because it was not you a thing. You were, like, an undocumented were... worker until yes, you were, like, three and a half years old. Yes, they were, old. like, mom and dad were, like, we can make way more money off of him as an undocumented worker. 
We'll <laughs> so then she like got it. pregnant. She's like, God damn it. I guess we have to report this to kind well, of Well, I mean, by that time I was three and a half. So it was old news. <laughs> I mean, geez, I've already like used up half my youth. <laughs> I mean, and that was like in the 90s. So I don't know when it was like super popular to get social security numbers or like what. Okay. You know? I have no idea. I don't fucking know. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> All I'm we saying is we don't know. fucking know. That should be the motto of the show. We don't, we don't know. know. <laughs> Sounds good enough. <laughs> don't ask. We don't know. So a lot of people that he knew, like a lot of his friends, said that he was really polite. He mm. wasn't rude. Mm-hmm. He's a lover of boxing. And and he decorated his room with drawings of his favorite athletes, which I'm like, okay. I bet those drawings were so bad. Do you remember that movie Death at a Funeral? Yes. Where they find out that they're like, find out that the dad was gay yeah. and then they look around his office. Hey, and wait, wait, like, wait. Spoiler alert. Oh, my first God. First of all, for no one who's it's, seen it. It's an old movie. And by it's old, I mean, amazing. like, it's like. Mm-hmm. The statue and the picture. Yes, and they look around, there's just, like, like, all these naked men, like, (laughs) represented in the room. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, like, when they put that in, I was like, huh. There's, like, all these, like, scantily clad, muscly men. Except for those were, like, good pieces of art, and I'm sure these drawings were, like, pretty rudimentary sketches. I don't know. Did he sketch (laughs) them? I have no idea. (laughs) However... It seemed those close to him saw a different side. All I'm going to say is I've never posted on my walls pictures that I have drawn. <laughs> I mean, guy, I'm not saying I'm a good I'm artist not, or anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm not claiming that he did those art pieces, those masterpieces of athletic bodies on his wall. I thought you said he drew them. No, I said I, I'm not sure where he got them or if he Oh, I thought he them. drew them. No, I'm... Oh. Oh. He could have. I don't know. It just said that he had drawings. I feel like on you tell wall. me these stories, and I just like imagine this whole other That's like fine. world. I don't listen happening. to you when you tell me your story either. <laughs> I just like create the world I want to imagine. Yeah, <laughs> and you just go too far. I do. <laughs> Leave the room. Fuck. Okay. okay. I was imagining that he's like drawing. No, you know, he's not drawing. Like, he's not an artist. You know, people draw pictures and like, look at this picture. Isn't it so good? And you're just kind of like, oh, no, I don't know any like artist that, that does that. <laughs> okay, never mind. Okay. Go back. Anyway. Yeah. So people that were close to him were like, eh, he's kind of not the best. He's kind of shitty. So Dale had a couple of marriages. Mm. He. How are they always married? I don't know. I don't fucking know either. Okay. One of his, one of his stormy marriages unraveled after he threatened to kill his wife with a shotgun. Oh, fun! Mm. Mm-hmm. In May of '92, Hausner married Tracy Spiker. According to court records, the marriage lasted about two years and produced one child, Jeremiah. Uh-oh. Yep, he's got a child. I the marriage do. ended in divorce on April 28th of '94, so just two years. The next day, the next day, he marries Karen Ann Shaw. So you meet this guy. He's like, hey, I'm going through a divorce right now. 
Right. This like literally right now. I'm divorce. at the courthouse right now going through my divorce. <laughs> my first divorce ended because I told some woman I wanted to murder her. My second divorce ended and I have a child. <laughs> Do you want to get married the day after my divorce is final? And she's like, I'm so on board. She's like, I love that. <laughs> Let's do it. And so they, they did. They got married. And later that year, they moved to Pasadena, Texas. So romantic. Both wives, both Tracy and Karen, mm-hmm. were linked in the same tragedy in November of 94. So oh. they get married. You know, they're like, oh, and then a tragedy happens. Karen, <laughs> Karen Uh-oh. Hasner was driving on a remote road between Dallas and Pasadena. Uh-huh. Dale was in the passenger seat. Uh-huh. And in the back were Jeremiah, Dale's Dale's son with Tracy, yeah. and Tracy's yeah. other son, Donovan. So Tracy had a son before she got married to uh, Dale. And why is Dale allowed to watch this other child? Not clear. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, they're driving. They're on a road. The car struck a guardrail and plunged into a creek on Interstate 45 near Corsicana. Both children washed away. <gasps> washed away. What the fuck? What the fuck? Were they not in, like, car seats or, like, Here's I don't what understand. happened. They fucking threw the children out of the car. Maybe because Dale and Karen were only slightly injured. And- uh, Yeah. Except, like, I don't, I think Karen was an abuse victim, so I'm not. Right, right. So he, like, steered into a guardrail, threw his child and his stepchild into the fucking ocean. Could be. Not the sure. End. Well, their marriage lasted until October of 2001 when they divorced, then almost immediately remarried each other. Uh. <laughs> but so by I'm the end go- of. Okay, but. By the end of the month of them being like, we're remarried, mm-hmm. Karen was like, ooh. Right. And she filed for to get her second marriage annulled. So I'm going to go on the same side of you and be like, abuse victim. Well, the next line is, she says that he became physically abusive. So I feel like he already was. Uh-huh. Then he murdered his children. I mean, he and- could have been ramping up. He could have been doing like a lot of like emotional and like psychological abuse at first and then ramped up to the physical abuse. Well, I feel like, I feel like what happened was they were in an abusive relationship. However, that abuse took shape, abusive relationship. He murdered his children. She was like, Ooh, I'm out. This is fucking sketchy as fuck. (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Um, he was like super abusive and then was like, no, no, I've changed. Like I know now that I did wrong and murdering my children. And she's like, okay, I'll give you another chance. And then a month later, she was like, oh, not a good idea. I'm out. I'm fucking out for real this time. Well, he continued to harass her even after the annulment, repeatedly making unwanted calls to her workplace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Records indicate that he moved frequently after the divorce. He also racked up several traffic citations. Mm -hmm. Hausner had a second child, Rebecca, with... With Linda Sweeney of Chandler, according to court records, his relationship with his two-year-old daughter is riddled with charges that he neglects the child who needs special medication, Mm -hmm. sorry, special medical attention 
because she has a rare condition that makes her prone to extremely low blood sugar. So I just feel like if you're going to fight against abortion, but like if these women get pregnant by a super abusive dude and yeah. like don't necessarily want to have a child by a super abusive dude. Uh, yeah. I, don't I, feel fuck like up valid. I feel like that's a super valid reason to not want to have a baby. I mean, that's and, just me. And there was suspicion that he might have been using meth, mm. which probably mm-hmm. he does look like a bit of a meth mouth. He's That's got fun. a bit of a meth mouth. That's fun. Okay. He kind of looks like a cartoon. Um, yeah. But like the others, the relationship turned ugly. By July of 2005, he had moved out and was living in the apartment complex of 550 East McKellips Road in Mesa, where he was later arrested. <laughs> to people who knew him on the outside... Dale Hausner. He was a real winner. Simply was too sweet, too timid to have terrorized city residents in a rash of late night shootings, as police alleged. Uh, he doesn't we, even. This is the man who has abused and potentially murdered his own. It's like children. that whole thing where you know people can be abused and you don't know it because mm-hmm. you know they put on something from the outside, and the abuser right. puts on a face from the outside, so you just know him as oh, they're super oh, charming. Oh, he's Dale. Like he's super chill. Mm-hmm. He would never lay a finger on anyone. Oh, you know I'm... his partner is the one who's like fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or if you don't have a relationship with the partner, if right? you know you're just his coworker and you never see his partner, he's like, so you so just fine. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what all of them thought. Ugh. Um, one of them said he doesn't even look like he would know which end of the gun barrel the bullet would come out of. I mean, he's just like a little methy. He like fully doesn't know that he looks like a gun. <laughs> he looks like what a, he knows what a gun looks like. Like, fuck no. Yeah, he's got a touch yeah. of the meth. That's like not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lament Vieira, who was the owner of the Hard Knocks gym in Phoenix, who I, like he went there all the time or mm-hmm. something he's got to buff up she agreed that something had changed within hausner she said that she met him when the two, about 2 years ago and they would talk they would talk at boxing events where hausner would take pictures mm-hmm. but about a year ago hausner stopped showing up to the fights it was pretty <laughs> strange because he was really involved with the boxing vera said he just stopped. Nobody knew where he was. He wouldn't return any calls that he that we left for him, mm-hmm. Vera said. However, those close to him knew that he was violent and abusive. Dale appears to be unstable emotionally, mm. his ex-wife Karen said. I mean, and that's an understatement. Because she was asking for an order of protection in February of 2002. For sure. She said, I'm afraid he would do harm to myself or other people I care about as retribution for me leaving him. And yeah. he owns several guns. Uh, yeah. She described uh, an incident which she says her husband, armed with a shotgun, drove her to a deserted spot near Wickenburg and said he was going to kill me. So, yeah. Uh, so, how is anyone who has been accused of domestic violence or who has had a restraining order brought against them able to buy guns because even though the laws are strict on guns you can still buy them at like gun shows and black markets and shit where where there's no paperwork i just feel like if you've ever been accused of domestic violence 
or stalking. Yeah, but that's the thing. If you're if you're a gun seller, if you're like a sketchy gun dealer or whatever, you're not gonna ask, "Have you been accused?" Like, who cares? I'm gonna make money off of buying of selling uh, my gun because that's your responsibility as selling yeah, a but, device that can kill people in seconds. I mean, in the perfect world where people aren't dumb. I feel like in any sane world, like that's your responsibility. <laughs> I'm just telling you what their argument is. What the fuck? Anyway. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the other dude. Oh, good. That was the one. He sounds one dude. wonderful. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's exactly right. This guy, Samuel Dietman, was a child of a broken home. He was the father of two girls. Ooh. In 2001, his wife left him, and he, his family claimed, became a drug addict. Mm. And then he was a drifter who was wanted in Minnesota on several criminal charges. Fun. He had been surviving in Arizona for the pa- during that time for the past few years with the help of friends. Dietman's mother kicked him out of her house in Glendale, and he lost his job as an electrician. He started drinking a lot. Dude, he an electrician be- can make such good money, but you definitely cannot be under the influence if you're doing that job. You definitely cannot be. That's yeah, so dangerous. Like, I am terrified in your, of electricity. Like, no way. No. No. So he had been, he'd be at the bar as soon as it opened. Uh, at like Hausner, eight o'clock in the morning. So Hausner's brother, Jeff, uh-huh. knew this guy, knew Dietman mm-hmm. from, I don't know, they were friends, drinking mm-hmm. friends or whatever. And so he introduced him to Dale and Dale was like, you can stay at my house. Great. So Hausner let him moved into his apartment, and they Two began. Of a kind. They began a slow money making operation at Hausner's workplace. Dietman would shoplift alcohols and alcohols, <laughs> <laughs> alcohol and CDs. Oh, so CDs! Steal alcohol and CDs. Yeah. And then Hausner would sell them back to coworkers. Mm, okay. So doing that was wait, scheme. what was his job? Well, I mean, Hausner's working as a janitor in the airport, so I think like he's, he's stealing CDs alcohol in the and CD. Yeah, I think I don't know, okay. and alcohol to his coworkers. I'm not sure. Okay. In addition, the Hausner brothers and Dietman would set fires to trash piles and palm trees, as well as beat transients. <laughs> oh, so good, all fun. in a good fun. Yep, just you know, good just old. Old fashioned fun. fun, just beats a human being and uh, set fire uh, to shit. Yeah. Kathy Hotaway was a bartender who's who had known him since two thousand two. She said he was my brother, at least that's what I used to call him, Hotaway said. We were really good friends for four years. He'd do anything for me. He was very playful. He loves my kids. He took my fifteen year old to some concerts. He went to his Pop Warner games, Hotaway said the two remained friends until last summer when Dietman seemed to snap. When all that stuff happened, I just backed off and left him alone. Mm, what? I don't know. So it seems like something is going on where both of them, you know, people close to them noticed something changed right away. Meth? Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, don't it know. Could, what the fuck is happening? It's just really weird. Yeah. And then, okay, so they're arrested. Back to the time of arrest, arrestment. Is that a thing? No. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm tired. Okay. What are you saying? Dale Hausner told reporters that he was innocent and had no idea Dietman could have been or could be involved in serial shootings. It's possible, Hausner said, that his new roommate might have been sneaking out of the apartment and shooting people on his own. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, he had only let him in five weeks ago, so we didn't really know him. Right. Dietman sa- seemed down on his luck, Hausner said, and he let his new friend stay without paying rent, and that Dietman had low self-esteem. <laughs> Which, like, wow, way to, like, <laughs> I mean, don't wait, shove all? your buddy under the bus. I mean. Like, po- put him under there and then, like, poke him with a stick. Like, and he's kind of ugly, too. Like, <laughs> I don't know. He, like, thinks he's ugly. I mean, he is, but, like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Thanks, asshole. I mean, we know you're an asshole, but, well, I mean, both of you are, but whatever. Mm. Hausner said, if Dietman did shoot people, it probably was for attention. If he did this stuff, it would be for Wait, recognition. What? Because, you know, he's got low self-esteem, so he's probably just, like, trying to get attention He's like, the people. only way to get attention is, like, shoot people. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. He said, or if he didn't, if he didn't actually shoot them and he's confessing that he did, it would be for the recognition as well. Okay. Hausner said that Dietman might have borrowed his car and gone out alone to commit the crimes, but police allege the men traveled together and took uh, turns shooting the victims. Yeah, that sounds yeah. a lot more likely. As a murder defendant, Hausner took several unusual steps. Shortly after his arrest, he held a jailhouse news conference. <laughs> what? That ended when his newly... So, like, he's like, reporters are around, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna say a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then the public, this public defender gets assigned him, and he's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Is that him outside talking? And the public defender runs and then oh, goes no. up to him and, like, whispers in his ear. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Oh, Don't no. say anything. That's, like, too much work for a public defender. <laughs> <laughs> they already have enough on their plate except for, like, shutting down a whole, like, jail room conference. <laughs> right? Where they're like, shut the fuck up. You're like, oh, no. That's why you're not allowed to talk. <laughs> no, Don't no, no. <laughs> I have something important to say. I'm really important. Oh no. So even though Hausner had denied any involvement in the attacks, he took an odd turn in during the penalty phase of his trial when he apologized to the victims or the families of every victim. Mm, so he's like, I'm enough, so man. sorry. No. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> it wasn't me, but I'm sorry. That totally blows. Not enough. He and then he said after that, he's like, I'm not up here to point the finger at anyone else and say, have mercy on my poor and withered soul. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm willing to accept my punishment like a man without blaming anyone, even though he just blamed his <laughs> friend. Like, what the fuck? He's like, I'm not telling you who did it. This I didn't do did it. it. But this I'm guy not did gonna it. Say. I didn't do it. Okay, I'm not gonna not like, I'm say not I didn't do fingers, it. Like I'm not here to point fingers, even though my I friend did. did it. I'm not here to say that he did, but he did. Also, I'm sorry for your loss. I don't and know what I, you want me to say. And, and I probably did it. Like maybe he borrowed my car, and also I fucking joined him. But like it was all him. But like I don't know who did it. I'm just ho- sorry that it happened. Yeah, and also. In a statement to jurors, just before <laughs> deliberations began in his trial's penalty oh, phase, yes. Hausner said, 
The Hausner name would likely become as infamous as infamous as Charles Manson. But like, I didn't do it. But like, but come like, on, guys. we're gonna I'm be like, infamous, Whoa. right? Like, I did some bad things. I mean, but, I'm pretty like, legendary. But like, I didn't do it. But if but I, I didn't did, do it. I'd if be I like, did, it'd be legendary. Sick. What the fuck? What a deck. At his trial, he cast himself as a busy divorced father of a sick daughter. What the fuck? Right. So he's like. Oh, but I'm divorced and my daughter's sick and I'm a go-getter. I have so many side jobs. And also I'm in stand-up comedy and bartending and boxing photography. Oh, he's a stand-up comedian now? (laughs) He's like, I got a joke. It's like, I was driving down the road the other night and I saw this person like walking Uh and I shot them in the back. Oh my God, that's so funny. (laughs) That's so funny. Wow. <laughs> like, try to murder someone. They didn't I, die. <laughs> I can see so where that the comedy would be. <laughs> he also, at one point, um, made an appearance in a TV commercial for a personal injury lawyer. Or, oh. Yeah, personal injury law firm. Mm-hmm. That's going to give him so many points for the jury. <laughs> Dietman confessed to everything that he was involved in. Oh, good. Good. At least one of them's, like, yeah, talking about shit. It. Yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison for participating in two murders during the last few months of terror. Only two? He, yeah. He testified that Hausner's older brother, Jeff, had participated in many of the early crimes. But in the end, Jeff was convicted of only two non-fatal stabbings. So Jeff was the stabber. What the fuck? He liked to stab. Okay, how do these people fucking find each other? I feel like we asked this like all the fucking time. (laughs) And then one of them is a friend of a brother. I don't know how. I don't know. Jeff got 18 years in prison. That's not enough time. Yeah. He was ordered to serve the sentence. (laughs) He was ordered ordered to serve the sentence consecutively to his 2007 conviction in an unrelated stabbing of a homeless man what who the fuck? had asked for spare change. What a piece of shit. He, so he was already serving seven and a half years on that uh-huh. conviction. Then he got 18 on top of that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. And it's not enough, but at least it's more. It's not enough, but he'll probably stab seven and a half, more time. And also seven and a half years for uh, yeah, stabbing, stabbing someone? someone. That's fucked up. Yeah. That's. And intentionally just doing it because you want to be a dick. Yeah. Stabbing a human being. Dietman said that Hausner professed a hatred for prostitutes and homeless people as as they looked for victims in areas frequented by streetwalkers. Fun. Sex workers. Mm -hmm. Um, Still, Dietman said Hausner never explained why he wanted to shoot people. Dietman told jurors that he and Hosner found humor at the sight of one of their seriously injured victims. So funny. Such a good joke. It's like a so prank. So it's basically the joke that you told. <laughs> like a prank. Yeah, it's just it's like, a, like prank. a prank. It's like like prank. peeing on someone's desk. It's like a yeah. prank, but like shooting someone. <laughs> Hilarious. Like so funny. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with people? Even though Hausner has denied any involvement in the ta- attacks since his arrest in 2006, he took an odd, another odd turn, mm. telling jurors that they should give him the death penalty because it would help the families of the victims. I mean, yes. So he's like, I didn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> oh that God. other guy did. But if it'll, if it'll make you feel better, <laughs> just kill me. 
I mean, it's not like I'm guilty or anything, but like, just go ahead and kill me for murdering I mean, people. I just twice. want you guys to feel better, so. What the yeah, fuck? Just kill me. He was convicted of six first degree murder charges, Good. 18, 18 attempted first degree murder charges. Good. Two conspiracy to commit first degree murder charges, mm-hmm. 16 aggravated assault charges. Fuck. 23 drive-by <laughs> shooting charges yes. and a partridge and a <laughs> Yes. Nine animal cruelty charges, three counts of discharging a gun at a structure, one count of unlawfully discharging a gun, and two counts of arson of an occupied structure. Okay, so the thing about the, like, shooting a structure, when I read recently that the one cop was charged in Breonna Taylor's murder for like shooting up an apartment yeah. building or whatever oh my God. and that's what he got charged with it's so like fucking dumb okay you get more Don't time for shooting up a one. building than like shooting a human being so this guy got charged with like shooting up a structure like okay okay yeah yeah because that's yeah. like a fucking human life okay that's fine it's fine so like so good okay yeah okay then, on June 19th, 2013, Hausner died of a massive overdose of the antidepressant amitriptyline, also known by the brand name Elleville. Elleville. Sounds evil. Elleville. Elleville. Though, at that time, it was not revealed how he obtained it. But the mystery of where he obtained it had been uncovered within a week of the suicide. Mm -hmm. On June 27th, 2013, prison officials intercepted a letter another death row inmate had written to his mother. In the letter, the prisoner, whose name was not released, but who had spent time in the same pod as Hausner, confessed he felt guilty and may have contributed to to a death because he had shared his prescription. So some dude gave up his antidepressants to help yeah. some dude kill himself. Yeah, I mean, I assume he knew he was going to kill himself, but I don't know if he knew that. No, no, I know that, but, like, yeah. I mean, regardless. But, but he, yeah. like, gave up his antidepressants so some dude could take a bunch of them. Yeah, and then he confessed I mean, that, like, yeah, he gave he him some pills. felt guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then an investigator who found a letter... That Hausner wrote to one of his cell neighbors in which he thanked his neighbor for his friendship. And I just have to like read this, this little thing. Sucks. He okay, said, I am sorry I have to go, but you know how I feel and I'm doing what is best for me, he wrote without oh. being more specific. Yeah. His brother That's Randy so his brother Randy speculated to Arizona the Arizona Republic at the time, and again earlier that he had he would have expected his that he would have expected his brother who was fond of grand gestures to have savored the platform and the spectacle that an execution Mm. would provide so he thought that suicide was a surprise Mm. didn't seem like okay but isn't suicide kind of a grand gesture too totally but he thought it was going to be a bigger gesture I don't know Mm. he thought he was going to let the state kill him Right. Whereas he could, like, choose his own exit That's from true. this life. I don't think that. That's valid. Yeah. Hausner, who was 40, had been he had been trying to speed up his execution. Yeah. Which is sure. harder than one might imagine, 
Yeah, as, for sure. As soon as an inmate says that they would rather die than live in prison, yeah. and his sanity is questioned, and defense yeah. attorneys try to block his execution because they're for like, sure. oh, we need to get him checked out. Right. Before he killed himself, he wrote letters to friends and family, as well as some inmates serving time with him. Right, to wa- best to, friends. Right, so to that best friend inmate, he yeah. just, so I'm going to read you a little bit more. He's like, okay. I wish we'd have, <laughs> I wish we would have known each other on the streets. Mm. That would have been so much fun. Imagine Aww. all we could have done together. Imagine you're the like, people we could have, like, <laughs> killed together. You're like a crazy little brother to me. <laughs> You're smart, funny, and a little insane, but then so am I. Since I have been here, I have tried to make this place better for you. I hope that when you look at our friendship, you'll remember the fun and laughs we shared. Remember that I was your friend and that I was always there for you. When you speak to me of others, please tell them I was your friend. Thinking about this place, the only thing I will miss is you and maybe the pizza. And okay. then he included a poem. So, what is this dude's deal? That is what I am saying. And second of all, how good is that pizza? <laughs> Jail pizza, I don't know. Must be good. Fucking, if he's going to miss that pizza. That's all he's going to miss. That's got to be pretty good pizza. Okay, listen to this emo poem he wrote. Oh my god, why is everyone writing poetry and like on like death it's row? so what the edgy. Fuck? Okay. Okay. Death is only the beginning. In death, I find hope. Mm -hmm. The hope of better times, of no memories, of forgiveness, gotten and given. Mm -hmm. In death, I can see my kids. I can tell them I'm sorry and that I love them. No more pain and guilt or shame. In death... I will because be able you couldn't tell to... your kids that you loved them in real life and you couldn't, like, be a and decent actually, father to your kids. I didn't think that... He, I didn't put two and two together that he might have killed those kids. But when mm-hmm. he says that he can tell them, I'm sorry... I think he killed like, his fucking sorry kids. about what? Unless you uh-huh. killed your kids. I think he killed them. I think he killed them. Mm-hmm. He says... I mean, death. if he and his, like, oh. wife slash girlfriend or whatever she was at the time only got minor injuries... Yeah, I don't know. It's he fucking suspicious. killed those kids. Like, yeah. how do they wash away? That's what I'm saying. They obviously weren't wearing their seatbelts and they were fucking out of the car. Also, that must be a huge creek. Because a creek to me is like a little, like, <laughs> tiny little creek. I mean, I think how a creek can be, away? like, many things, I guess. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, he also said, in death, I will be able to breathe again. Fuck death. off. <laughs> death is welcomed, is needed, is longed for. Death is only the beginning. And then he signed it, an original poem by Dale S. Hausner. What a fucking tool. I hope he suffocates every day of his fucking life in death. Ugh, God. Every day of his death in death. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. I could not pinpoint that guy. The other guy, I'm like, I don't know. He's he's an alcoholic. He's like a drunk. Yeah. He's down on his luck. He's just yeah. doing whatever. He's an idiot. He's clearly an idiot who's just yeah. like following whatever someone else with a better idea is doing. Yeah. This guy. Sociopath. And his stupid brother. Sociopath. Yes. They're like murdering people for salads. fun. Fucked up. 
But with maybe I, like a side of egg. I mean, I feel like, yeah, maybe. But that, I feel like he killed his children. Like, I feel like he fucking killed his kids. That one I'm kid wasn't even his now. kid. It, like, wasn't yep. even his child. Yep. I just feel like if you get minorly injured in a car and you have two people in the backseat. Like, Wash how are they away. Fucking, like, how are they getting out of the car when you don't have minor injuries? I don't understand. No. How are they out of the sense. car all of a sudden? It doesn't make any sense at all, unless he threw them and out like, of the fucking car. Yeah, or, you know, and are they just not buckled up? Do they not? Are, they're two and three. Shouldn't they be in car seats? They had to have been, like, Safe, outside like of the seats? car, right? Or at least, like, crawling around on the seats with the windows open, and then it flipped, and they went flying out, and then they it were like, make oh, any they sense. washed away. It doesn't make any sense. And then with the woman, he must have been like, I will fucking murder you. And she's like, yeah. let's get married again then. She's like, you're so romantic. I trust you. I fucking won't tell anyone. I trust you. I love you. Let's get married. And he's like, okay. And then it's like, I mean, fucking who knows? Get off. He could have threatened her. Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe a little scrambled since there were like brothers who were like fucked up in the head like yeah. that. Some kind of familial scramble. Yeah, maybe a familial scramble. <laughs> a genetic scramble. But uh, also, yes. like... But also, Well, just and like since he dick. was like, oh, just, like, fucking kill me. Because, yep. like, I'm a horrible person. I and won't then, admit it. But I also know that I'm, like, a horrible person. But also, just kill me. If you want to feel better about yourself, go ahead and kill me. But also, like, my best friend here, I, like, want him to know that he was, like, so important to me. <laughs> yeah. And then let me also write a poem. Oh, yeah. I gotta end with a poem. Mm-hmm. And just be an asshole fucking sucked i hate them that was awful right they're just yeah. driving around shooting guns yeah. at anyone and anything that they yeah. think that no one else saw yes fucking horrible it's insane thanks Scary. for that that You're was welcome. terrifying mm-hmm. <laughs> should we transition to uh crime any sakes and now for the portion that we like to call Crimey Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. So this came from police1.com. Mm-hmm. Drunk man wakes up inside shipping container bound for Los Angeles. Uh-oh. <laughs> Have you ever woken up from a crazy night of drinking inside a sealed shipping container that was about to embark on a two-week voyage to a foreign land? Then you and Zhang Wu should have swapped <gasps> hangover stories. The Eastern China resident somehow managed to mistake a giant container for his oh room at a local B&B and pass out inside. Wow. First of all, <laughs> the B and B must have been shit the if he's thinking a shipping B&B container <laughs> is his room. Holy Waking shit! And up- wait a second, he's coming from China to LA. That is a long ass journey. Well, it's a two weeks. Oh fuck! <laughs> Waking up the following day, Wu realized he gave error and began phoning everyone he knew for help. <gasps> Unbeknownst to Wu, the container was exactly one hour from being placed on a cargo ship bound for Los Angeles, a two-week trip. 
No. <laughs> Even shit. after Wu managed to get in touch with police and conveyed his predicament, he still faced a serious race against the clock as he oh, was shit. unable to identify the container he was in. Yes. Because he's drunk, and then he doesn't know which one he walked into, and how do you describe it? It's a shipping container, and then there's like probably a yard of shipping containers. Oh my god, I'm getting anxiety thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got another one. It says... Oh, shit. Wait, did he get out? I don't know. What? What? That's how it ends? That's the end of that shit. story. And so Wu was shipped to he's LA, and he's now... He's now starring in uh, the next uh, movie. It's like a race to find him before the air runs out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shit. I'm guessing they found him. They probably interviewed him, right? They probably found him. It's probably fine. He's probably fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> He's probably yeah. alive. It's fine. Okay. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the title of this, but police in Nigeria are holding a goat on suspicion <laughs> of attempted armed robbery. Vigilantes seized the black and white goat, saying it was an armed robber who had used black magic to transform himself into an animal to escape after trying to steal a Mazda 323. Holy shit. A spokesman for police in the eastern state of Quara said, the goat is in our custody. Vigilantes saw some hoodlum attempting to rob a car. One escaped while the other turned into, into a, a goat. goat. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, if you have the power to change into an animal to escape, wouldn't you just turn into like a panther or like some kind of like badass fast animal that you could just attack your way? Like a goat? I mean, <laughs> you would think so, but if you're like in a really dire situation and the first animal that comes to mind is a goat. A goat? I mean, I, I guess mean, you gotta go with whatever comes to mind. It's what are you gonna do? You're like, slug, damn it. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Shit. Okay, here's one more. A resident reported a number of bras hanging from trees <gasps> oh. in the 8900 block of North Lake Drive at 6.50 a.m. August 24th. Okay. There was also a sign reading, Hope you had an uplifting vacation. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. This episode was brought to you by Humble Bee Herbal. During these fucking crazy-ass times, self-care is, like, so essential. Please, everyone, take care of yourselves. And just remember, what goes on the skin goes into your body. So please only use things that you can either read all the ingredients and understand what they are or just like trust the company that they're coming from but definitely treat yourself to all natural skincare because it's important yeah and humble Bee herbal has some really great products for all your skincare needs basically from head to toe that's right anything you need and it is affordable and they ship all over the united states yep so check them out humblebeeherbal.com everyone stay safe stay sane if possible don't go fucking shooting people. Please just be nice. And don't push your fucking religion and shit on other people. That's all yes. I'm saying. Just don't be mean if you to don't anyone. Approve of other people's behavior. Don't do it. Just fucking don't do it. It's like that easy. You know? Yep. So be good. We will be back next week and yeah. tell you more horrible things to make this horrible time more horrible, but hopefully less horrible. Right. 
Rate, review, subscribe. Email us, crimeanypodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram at crimeanypodcast on Instagram. We don't approve of social media, but if you have to social media, But if you want to see the pictures of these fucked up dicks, then check it out. Yeah. All right. Bye. The end. Goodbye. Goodbye. He's very upset because I'm holding him. Oh, little Tobias.